This episode is brought to you by Eufy Video Lock. Eufy is a smart lock with 2K cam and doorbell that's a three-in-one triple security, so you can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but it's also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated camera. It's easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver. It's got keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys when your hands are full. It also has a rechargeable battery that could last around four months and you'll get low battery notifications before it runs out. Passcode unlocking with a remote control with 2K clear sight to see who's at your front door and control from anywhere through the app. And with enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. No monthly fee, unlike other brands that will charge monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. This is the future. This is everything I love about what's happening with doors. In my opinion, this is an absolute no-brainer. I'm telling you right now, this is an absolute no-brainer. We installed them in the house, and it makes, especially when you have a family, it makes life so easy, so secure, so safe, and once again, so easy. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. guys i promised you a ton of podcasts you're getting a ton of podcasts and that's what i'm doing and this one is just as fantastic as all the ones leading up to june 2nd which is the trip flip premiere june 2nd trip flip comes back this fourth season is fantastic i want you all to watch it dvr it it's at 8 p.m june 2nd and this one is fantastic the audio is a tad bit off but bear through it and you will hear a hilarious conversation with myself jaleel white who played Urkel on Family Matters, randomly was there. (laughs) And we did it today at the Gundo Comedy Fest, which is all week this week, right now, building up to Sunday, where they have a fantastic show. And on this podcast with me is the always hilarious Al Jackson, Dave Williamson, who's putting the entire festival together, Ryan Dalton, who I've toured with a ton on the road and has one of my favorite jokes around. And uh, we have a fantastic conversation. So enjoy it. Go see the Gundo Comedy Festival. Uh, sorry for the audio, but it's the best we could do, uh, at the last minute and, uh, trip flip June 2nd, trip flip June 2nd. I'm in Minnesota right now. Probably if you're listening to this trip flip June 2nd, trip flip June 2nd, set your DVRs, tell your friends, start talking about it at work. I love you guys. Enjoy this podcast. This is Ladies and gentlemen, Julia White, Al Jackson, Dave Williamson, and, and Ryan Dalton. Come on, everyone just come on in. Come on in, because, because I know that you guys will have, everyone will have the exact same awesome questions to ask. Yo, Ryan, get in closer. Al, get in fucking closer. Are you shooting skeet later? What's up with your glasses? I found these yellow glasses at a hunting shop. <laughs> 
on at a gas station and I swear I'm all the, I'm gonna dude put them on one time. Oh, I've, I've, I'm I've, white. I've shot ski. <laughs> dude, I love them. Yeah, they're fucking amazing. They make me happy. Put these on real quick. Like they just make. I was uh, I'll substitute teaching as a workshop teacher. <laughs> <laughs> just ran down here from the high school. It's like staring through these trees. No, it's, it's like staring. It makes you think it's sunny all day. And it's an intimate crowd, so quite honestly, people here in the room ask anything you want to ask too. I think. I like your hat. We can Thank start you. there, man. You always. I'll fan? tell you what. No, I have a big head. Put this on your head. You'll never. This is how big my head is. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, I have a size eight head. <laughs> Like, but oh. it's swayed under the brim. You're like a nine, right? Yeah, an eight. That's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so uh, so I'm going to force these guys to tell my favorite stories they have to you. There you go. Uh, and then I'm, I'm going to ask you a few questions there first off the bat. Uh, how, har- how hard was it losing your virginity with America knowing you <laughs> as Urkel? It was actually pretty easy because I had some cheese. Yeah. Yeah, so in more ways than one. So I admit... Uh, I met a young lady in New York who was actually a, um, she was a sister of an NBA exec, and we met at an all-star game. How old are you? How old are you? I was 17. Okay, that's me too. That's me too. Oh, shit. You too? I didn't, I I had no clue I was going to lose my virginity, actually, but she was, boy, she was the prettiest girl in, in her neighborhood, and I flew her out, and I flew her dad out for my prom. And um, I wasn't going to go to my prom, and so my mom was pissed off, and she said, no, I'm going to find you a date. So she actually worked with Jay Leno to find this particular girl. And- <laughs> Shut the fuck up! When Jay Leno arranged your prom date? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a part of it. He played a hand. And um, I asked her doing an appearance on Jay Leno, and she said yes. And like I said, I flew her out, and... Then we went out that night, and I was just excited that my curfew got extended. I really only cared about sports at that age. Yeah, I, I didn't. I would. I don't even want to go into what I felt about myself and women at that age. I just cared about sports. And my dad just kind of came and slapped some rubbers in my hand before I left. And I'm like, "What are you, are you what, fucking? What, what, do you realize you, this is you, against your dad? Ice tea? What are, you, <laughs> what, are you, what are you? What are you doing, Pop? What are you doing?" And he's like, "Yeah, you just need to keep these with you tonight." And I'm like, "All right, whatever." And I had a pocket full of money and a Rolls Royce limo and the prettiest girl that nobody had ever met at my school. And I was like, "Can we go to Santa Barbara? Can we go like to Vegas?" Like my mom said, "I don't have to be home at all." Like that's all I was jazzed about. And none of my, my classmates cared about that. They kept slipping off into other rooms and shit at the hotel. And so finally I'm like, wow, I, was like, I really thought I'd failed. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning. I said, well, we'll just go back to the hotel. And she was like, uh-huh. Shut <laughs> up. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and we'll stop the story there. <laughs> okay, no, no, we can't. No, did, no I, my first time, my first time I lost my virginity, I wrote about it in my book. I uh, first of all I had a hard time getting the rubber on, and then nah. when I when I did, nah, uh, she wasn't a first timer. It was great. <laughs> it was oh, great. I, but I was not good. I was not good. I put. I literally came within two seconds, and then she said to me, "There's also an opposite reaction." Action. What do you mean? There's an opposite reaction of not coming because you don't know what this sensation is, and it. So I was like. I was 45 minutes in, buddy. I was great. For the first time? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Is this the first time someone told you that's it, not normal? Yeah. It, it was the second You're time. You're the Loch Ness Monster of virginity. Yeah. It was the second time for me with another individual where 
out going. Oh, the second it's time the you're like, time. oh shit! It's like when you ride a roller coaster and you're so scared you forget to scream, yeah. and the second time you're like, oh yeah, shit! Yes, exactly. I remember this. There you go. There you you're go. The you're the Benjamin Button of orgasm. So I'm telling you, there's not too many guys that have a better virginity story than me. That's oh, mine's a fun, mine was a nightmare. Oh, how old were you, you? Oh, your wife's here. I guess this is yeah, all. Yeah, no, she yeah. She's like, that's old coochie. I don't yeah. mind. Yeah. Any, any, any coochie goes back 15 years doesn't count anymore. But it's like, she, it's funny. She's like a girl. You ever look at like your, the girls you used to date like on Facebook and you're like, that, like anybody else would look and be like, that's a grown woman. Yeah. <laughs> the girls I used to have sex with are grown women now. Yeah. But she's, uh, her name was Ronnie with a, uh, let's leave it at that. And uh, she was really cool. I didn't, uh, again, my mom traveled for a living. I didn't, um, I, so I was home by myself. But I, I didn't drink until I was like 22. So like, I, I was like, literally, I could have been, I could have been you, I could have been Van Wilder with the house parties, but I didn't drink and kick it like that. So I didn't, you know, I would have the house by myself for like a week at a time in high school and not yeah. do shit, not drink, not have anybody over. And uh, she came over and uh, we went upstairs. It was like a week before prom and I was gonna take her to prom. And she was just like, so do you want to do this now? And I was kind of like, like that's how I know what you're saying the truth. I was just like, do what? Like, I, we had made out before and, like, done some shit. Like, I played with her titties, but I hadn't done anything yet. Wait, wait. Played so with her titties was just grab and squeeze? Yeah, that was no a, nipple I was play. Like, I was just like, exactly. So, when, truth be told, she was more focused than you were. Yeah, just so that's what that helps. That always dude, helps the experience. Dude, she's the, more focused the than the The first guy. time I fingered a chick, I didn't know you were supposed to do anything. I just put it's it in new, like I was like I was I just put it in like I was taking her temperature and just left it there. And just stared at her like I think you're close to done. Doctor's exam. Doctor's exam. Wow, love that. Yeah, it is new. I forget. But keep okay, keep going. What, yeah, so? so I mean, uh, again, we, she was like, "Do you want to do this now?" And I was like, "Again, it took, I had to take like a five times." Oh, she's talking about that again. And all my friends, I used to be the dude because I got my license early. And when you get your license early, but you don't get laid, I used to pick up all my homeboys like Donnie and shit. I would pick them up, and they would pick up a girl. And be in my back seat, and they'd be like, Can you pull around behind this target? And they would finger and make out and fuck girls. In my, and I'd be in the front seat, just like playing with the radio. Like, this is before cell phones. Yeah, this you is just had to sit there. I was just like, glad to be out. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when it finally oh, came to be my same turn. Parents. It just happened yeah. to be out past 10. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it, it happened. It was like in the afternoon. I lost my virginity at like 2.40 in the afternoon. Like, it was like yeah. a random time. There was nothing romantic about it. But it was quick, like 10, I mean, she was like, if she was a good person. You know, 45 minutes, like, nah, yeah, nah, sorry, nah, I didn't nah, eat her north at like Nah, this, my shit was real, <laughs> my shit was real coming to America, yeah. <laughs> Rose petals and Eddie Murphy flicks on, <laughs> on the TV, man. So wait, now, now did, uh, how, I, I gotta ask, there's so many questions yeah. I have, because you are, I would say, cultural icon in America, easily. Yeah, I appreciate it. No, that. but it's, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's seared in, in, I mean, you, you, your success was before uh, social media. It was when uh, getting when a, uh, getting a show syndicated changed. I mean, you you just everyone saw you all day. Kids in college would smoke pot and watch you and laugh ironically and get the joke. And but kids that were younger would laugh and feel like they were your brother or your best friend. But but it was it was you were also one of the first people that got. Um, Almost like stereotyped or not stereotyped, uh, typecast. typecast. And did, and but you're also that age. You're getting typecast as a, like the goofy nerd, 
while you're also becoming a young man. How did that? How did that fuck with your head, or did it? And it didn't. It doesn't. Obviously, you know, there's so much about our business that you can't explain in interviews. So I don't even try. You know, the at the end of the day, you just work. You know, I, I, I had a great job at an amazing young age. It's a great job. We did 215, 218 episodes, I think it was. 218 uh, episodes. Just to wow. put that in perspective to the listener, we're talking about, I won't tell everyone what you made, but I can guess it. I can guess it. <laughs> I can guess it because I'm in the business, and, and I know what it was paying back then. Yeah. So, you know, and nine, nine years, you know, it was a great job. Nine years, I, you started as a boy. Yeah, I did from 12 to 21. So, um, you know, it was a nine-year run. I don't really look at it as typecasting because I see so many other people that work just fine who were treated the same way in the streets, um, whether it's Neil Patrick Harris being called Doogie for most of his career yeah. or whether it's uh, William Shatner, who I worked with on Boston Legal, a certain generation will always call him Captain Kirk. Yeah. Um, you just, it's a generational thing. So it is I, I try not to be, I, I try to educate older people to understand it was like, Please be respectful of these younger kids that are coming along and changing the world that you live in. Because I took my daughter to kindergarten this year, and this little girl comes running up to me from her class. And she's like, how are you doing, Jaleel White? It's just a pleasure to meet you. Like, literally. And she yeah. says it like a robot. How are you doing, Jaleel White? It's such a pleasure to meet you. I'm like, this is this is weird and freaky. Yeah. Why is this? I mean, A, I'm super flattered that this four-year-old child is doing this. But I know that someone's put her up to this yeah. on some level. And I'm like, you know, I talked to the little kid, and then her father finally comes over and says, she really loves the movie Big Fat Liar to, like, a strange degree. And in that movie with Frankie Muniz, I played Jaleel White. I played who I was, and yeah. I was only referred to as that. So at four years old, that's all she knows. Yeah. And then there's people who love uh, Psych. That's like a cult show on USA Network, and they're fascinated with Psych. And so it's just this... It's this journey, you know what I'm saying? The tougher part really is is just, I went through puberty in front of America. Period. In front of, yeah. So it was like there were things that I was just going through just as a, as a, as a guy growing up. But, but people that, have... And, and that's yeah. weird. That's more weird than that silly character name or how many different versions of the character I play. But it's like anytime you talk to me about it, it's like, all right, let's go talk about junior high again. Let's go talk about high school Yeah, again. I guess that is. That would be weird if everyone was like, well, everyone does that to me. They want to talk to me about my college. And, you, and I, I know that feeling. Now I'm going to try to fucking parallel my careers. But when my book came out, everyone wanted me to be like... Beyond Van Wilder, I would say, "Hey, I'm Van Wilder. I'm the real Van Wilder," and I hated it. I fucking hated it. I hated it so fucking much that I remember they sent New York Times sent a photographer to my house to do a photo shoot. I didn't. I never saw the movie Van Wilder. I don't know anything about it really. And they, dre- unbeknownst to me, they dressed me up as Van Wilder, and I did the fucking pose. Oh, they and sent was, you up. And I and I had no fucking clue. For people here that don't know that, for the movie Van Wilder was based on an article written about her. About me, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, that drove me fucking nuts. And it's and it's interesting. It's it's neat. It's neat. It's a good footnote in your life. It's just it's a, you don't want it to be who you are for the rest of your yeah. life. I want to be Bert. I want to be the you know the guy that writes and, and creates. But I think that's what's cool about both you guys is that you guys took something that got you visibility and you used it as a foundation to create more stuff and, and it doesn't define either of you, you know? Uh, you guys have your careers separate from that stuff. Jaleel's a filmmaker and still acts a lot 
And, you know, you that's like just a tiny footnote in your career now. I mean, you're... Yeah, it's a uh, generational uh, thing, and you just got to you just gotta keep working. Like, they just reached the point, man, where it's like, especially when my daughter was born, where there were just things that I would turn down, and it was just, you know, I don't know, it was like, it was, I had the right people around me at that time, where you just keep working. And I'm, I work constantly. I'm going to do a, a reality show on Food Network uh, in two weeks called The Worst Chef in America. People are like, well, why would you do that? It's like, because I don't really cook very well. My nanny handles all of my cooking for my daughter. Yeah. And so uh, Food Network is really respected, and I like the other um, the other contestants that they're having on. So I'm like, screw it. Yeah, go get that check to go learn how to cook. You know what What's crazy is I've been to those upfronts at those at that network exclusively, and if if they if you walked out on stage. People would lose their fucking right. minds. So I will, yeah. I will, I'll be doing more than walking out of this. Day. I'll be cooking for so, it. So I'm sitting here with two, 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 two men of color, and I'm going to tell a story that's that is my show. We're pitching, by the way. Two men of color. Is this when the crosses come out? What the, what the hell is this? I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell my favorite story. I'm going to tell my favorite story of Ryan Dalton. Uh, and then I'm going to make Ryan tell a story. Or don't let me fuck it up. Okay. All right. Okay, because but I want to tell it the way I remember it. Do you okay. remember this? Yeah. So we're sitting with Ryan's wife, <laughs> Ashley, right? I just love that you guys already know what the story is. Right? No, no, no. Oh, this is my hardest I've ever laughed at a fucking dinner. All right. So we're... Oh, I'm going to fuck this up. We're sitting at dinner with Ryan and his wife, Ashley, and we're talking. Me, Ryan, and we're in Miami. And Ashley says... Uh, we're talking about getting a black eye. Like, and... Ryan's a black up. guy or a black eye? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I said, I got a black eye. A black eye. <laughs> one time. And Ashley starts saying, oh my, like this, she's like, oh my God, I have one in high school. My dad freaked out when I came home. And, and Ryan picks up in the conversation and says, you had a black eye? She goes, yeah, once. And it was painful. Like, it was painful. But now I realize what's happening, and I start laughing hysterically. So I can't, I can't speak. I can't speak. And she's going, I mean, it was like so big, it was almost purple. Like, <laughs> Doubled over in stitches, and Ryan's like, "Why wouldn't you tell me this? Why wouldn't you tell me this?" Okay, so I can't, I can't help it. I, that's my favorite story about like, and I, and 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 Ashley's so perfectly beautiful and like pristine. And then they finally talk it out, and Ryan, I go, "You got to tell that on stage." And he's like, and, "But it was so interesting. You were like, like it was just a conversation." I go, "That's my favorite story I've ever fucking been around this to watch happen." And you told me, "You go that got me into Montreal." Yeah. But I, I mean, it wasn't that story. I had to change it into a joke form. Wait, so tell, will you tell the joke? Oh, this sucks. Um, okay, uh, I was. Uh, Wouldn't that be great if he was like, "Well, I hate black people," and so. <laughs> Let me preface that. Uh, uh, I, was, uh, I was. I was real. When you're drunk, uh, things sound. That's the purpose. When you're drunk, things things get slurred. Like I was walk. I was really drunk. And I was walking by these chicks, and they were having a conversation about black eyes but you know wasted and uh, and when you're drunk black eyes sounds a lot like black eyes obviously so as I'm walking by here one of them said oh I had a black eye and it hurts so bad <laughs> that's what your girlfriend yeah, said I know. and then the other girl said can you imagine having two black eyes <laughs> and then the other girl said I did I broke my nose <laughs> They were so black, they were purple. I'm like, you racist fuckers. <laughs> they broke my nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
my nose. But is there a reason why you don't tell that with with it being your girlfriend? Uh, I don't know. I just I don't think it was because like, I would have had to tell too much of the story. I had to make it sound like I overheard a conversation. But if you're just walking by and you kind of go, what, what did you just say? If you're overhearing your girlfriend talking to someone else, then it it probably ups the ante a little bit of why I'm freaked out. You. It was, I went to Montreal because. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, by the way, I'll be posting this today. The Gundo Comedy Festival is happening all weekend right now. So if you go right now, you can go... What's the website? TheGundoCF.com. TheGundoCF.com. Probably the most difficult comedy festival to find on. TheGundoCF.com. So, and there are shows. I know Fitzsimmons, there's shows coming up all weekend. Yeah, correct? Taylor, Taylor Williamson, Brad Williams will be here. Uh, Greg Fitzsimmons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I got a good Brad story. Oh, so, so uh, Georgia, my youngest, tells me. Two things happen. Number one, she shows me in a uh, in a textbook the uh, it's it's in her history book the N word, and she says it. She said, "Dad, what's that? What would that mean? Because it's a sign yeah. during slavery." And I go, "Oh, baby, don't say that word. You cannot say that word." And she was like, "Why would they put it in my book then?" I go, "It's a little complicated, but you just can't just stay away from that word. That's really bad." And I, I introduce her to my friend. Uh, she knows her best friend's black. And so I, I tell her dad to talk to her about that. So she goes, okay. So then we're driving in the car. And she goes, I got a joke for you. And I, by the way, it's not where you think we're going. Yeah. And so, but the punchline is midget. And I go, I go, oh, honey, you cannot say that word either. And she was like, why? And I go, because it's just, it's like a bad word. It's a similar to that the N word. It makes people feel like shit when they hear it. So why even say it? She's like... Yeah, but it's just me and you. And I was like, man, I know that That's makes sense. Makes I know that makes sense, but yeah, she's ten years old. I'm like, and she's like, look, she's like, Dad, I looked over my shoulder. They're not around. I looked under my arm. They're not around. <laughs> just then, Brad pops up. Yeah. So I tell, I have this, I have this really great conversation with her about, you know, you can't say it, and this and that, and so then Brad does my podcast, and this you can see this on here. This on my podcast. I go, oh shit, Georgia just told me a joke with the word midget. I go, Georgia, come on in. She sees, you know, my man cave is like glass windows. She sees Brad in there and she's like shaking her head. It's been a week. She's like, fuck no. You're going to you sell me under the bus. And I go, get in here. And so I go, do you have any jokes you want to tell Brad? She's like, asshole. Why the fuck would you do this? But then Brad fucks it up and he's like, honey, you can totally say midget. And Georgia's like, no, I'm getting, what? But so, yeah, that's my only. That'd be funny if she got mixed up and actually dropped the N-word off. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say that in front of him? Yeah. You're not here, man. I love you. <laughs> no, but it's like, it, it's when you, whether it's, it's the N-word or midget or anything, it's like my wife and I had a discussion about, just, you know, uh, our son's in the first grade, and he's learning about Martin Luther King, and it's like, you want to learn about Martin Luther King, but if you talk to him about Martin Luther King, then you got to talk about racism and all that kind of shit. It's like, yeah. do you want to talk to a first, like, for, like, I was wondering, like, how much of this world do you get to enjoy before you get to understand yeah. the real shitty Dude, part of let me, it? Let me tell you something. My daughter is five, and her gymnastics teacher came over to me and said, listen, i got to talk to you about some disturbing things, though, that somebody has been saying in class. I'm like, freaking gymnastics. You guys are flipping around and flexing on the loop. What is she, why is there any talking going on yeah. anyway? What's my daughter saying? So she said, well, Samaya said yesterday that... Um, she said that the lighter you are, the more stuff you get. 
and the darker you are, then you don't get you don't get so much stuff. And I'm like, well, Daddy has a lot of stuff. So what the fuck did she get that from? And so, turns out, I'm like, you just kind of got to shrug that off. Be like, okay, well, I'll talk to her about it. This dipshit teacher in the after school program tries to explain to the kids of preschool and kindergarten about Martin Luther King. Oh, that's a good idea. And, <laughs> that's like an open mic trying to trade on like Martin Luther King. And I don't know what the heck he said. No, None of us parents could discern it, but apparently the complaint had started to come back and filter through other kids, though, as well. And it's just... It's kind of tough to explain his legacy now right. without explaining the hurtful parts that don't make any sense to these kids. Because they don't I, get it. They don't get they, it. They're like, I like they literally don't get it. Like, uh, <laughs> it like make literally, sense. like even the even the the newness of Obama being in president, or the mm-hmm. idea that we could have a Mexican president. Like, for you got to understand, so you got to respect the youth. A nine year old or a ten year old doesn't get all these adults making such a big deal about it. It's, it's, they don't get it. They just yeah, like, yeah. Huh? they just shrug their shoulders yeah. at it. It's like, I'll flip it. I'll flip it one one other way. Stop like, plugging your show. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dog. They came out with a movie, uh, Black Ant, not Black Annie, but Annie, but was Black Ant. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Black Annie. <laughs> Black Annie. You know what? You ain't shit because that's what they called it in the middle of the country too. Oh, you know, you want to see Black Annie oh, this fuck, weekend? Fuck it, we're <laughs> You know she can sing. 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 You know You know she can sing. You know she can sing. You know she can You know Buck. can sing. You know she can version and a black version and Doug Benz without missing a beat and he goes oh so you think that would work for Ocean Elevens I wonder who committed the crime the 12 black guys standing <laughs> I wish I was that fucking quick but what's interesting what I was going to say was my was the flip side of of the, of the other Annie <laughs> I don't even know what to call it now but like my daughters loved Annie and they thought they loved that but they didn't relate so like why wouldn't anyone want her she's cool like she, you know, like they didn't—they don't see black people the way people see redheads. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like my daughter saw redheads, and they were like, "Why the fuck would they want?" Yeah, I get it. No one wants her. I understand that she's the last one at the orphanage. It's the redheaded stepchild. It's no one wanted a redhead. And my daughters were like, "Who wouldn't want a black person?" Like that would be fucking. And she's. There's, she's not an outsider. Uh, I take it your kids yeah. haven't seen Django yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. But my daughter's best friend's dad is in it. Okay, his dad is in it, and so he's, uh, and so they will yeah. at one point. And but, then, uh, this is random as well. I'm gonna jump. Have you noticed how many redheads are in commercials? And I wonder if that that's deliberate. Of- yeah, it has to be because no, no, it's there's so many redheads in commercials. No, no, it's just funny. That's just saying my career is hilarious. I, I've, I've done 50 national commercials. I yeah. did them before I was 12. They would hire redheads all the time because there was an idea that a redhead attracted your eye. Oh, see, that makes sense. 
You think I would have fucked more? It's like it's so <laughs> many redheads in every commercial. Yeah, a redhead's not going to come on that screen and you don't just right, notice. Yeah. yeah. You know, whereas it's just a brunette or perhaps a blonde or something. Brian like that. shows up with a red wig on. Yeah. <laughs> so especially, especially redhead kids, they uh-huh. worked a lot yeah. in commercials. I love, I love, I love uh, econ- economists. People who go just like that. They go redheads attract eyes. The people that take the numbers, sizzle it down. What, like Malcolm Gladwell. I'm obsessed with Malcolm Gladwell. Hey, I would love to talk to that guy. Because he says things and they you almost can't argue with them because that's the fact. Like the reason that all the fucking hockey players are born between January that was and May. Fascinating. Like that yeah. I, stuff like that. Can so, you explain, explain that real quick. Uh, so in Canada, the cutoff date for June, for hockey leagues is well, explain January. what an outlier is real an quick. Out, oh yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. What why don't you do it? I think you might know it better than me. No, well basically he was just saying that we accept certain things as truth. Uh, even though there might be a reason for it, like some of his, his that was not a fart. He moved his chair. Yeah. <laughs> I get nervous when I talk. Hockey, but uh, he one of his examples was like everybody looks at Bill Gates and they're like, oh my god, he's just a genius. He's a computer genius. It was meant to be. He fell from his heavens. But it's like Bill Gates came from a wealthy family in the seventies, and he grew up in Seattle, where his middle school had access to computers. Where at that time, the fucking government barely had computers and he yeah. had access to that in the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade so he had like a 10 year head start and he had dough so by yeah. the time he gets by the time he, he's already thinking computers when people are 10 years behind in that technology so that's so that's what an outlier is it's like we assume that just Bill Gates he's the best guy ever so to make the, the hockey analogy they were they were making I haven't read the book in two years so I might be wrong about this but they, it's it's a. Um, I'll take it from here. Yeah, it's it's, it's hockey. I'll take it from here. Yes. Um, if <laughs> <laughs> you don't mean to leave the room, we will. No, no, no. I want to talk about abortion rates in the same. So, so we're uh, so, a brewery. Let's not get smart on this. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, the cutoff for uh, hockey in Canada is January 1st. So, same, uh, say Al and I are the exact same age. He's born on December 31st. I'm born on January 1st. Well, Al gets to, has to play with all the people born the year before him. So, he's the youngest person in that league, whereas I was born on January 1st. So, I am therefore the oldest person in that league. So, it makes sense that when they go to scout hockey, the oldest people, the people in the first three months, we're also going to mature quicker, get bigger, faster. And they're also friends with all the guys that are three months behind them, hanging out with them. But in the league-wise, they're the ones that will be scouted because they'll be the bigger ones. And so if you look at the National Hockey League, I want to say, like, I'm gonna, I love doing this, by the way. I don't know what this is called. It might be called lying. But, uh, Analytics. The, like uh, <laughs> 80% of the professional hockey players are born between January and May. Right. And and literally right. a very small percentage take care of the right because they were saying the, the guys that get the, uh, the, the the guys that get scouted early the, the ones that are born January first they get access to the best training they get the best coaches they get to be on the traveling teams so they get the best of everything so they get they develop quicker whereas me being on the thirty first I'm on the B team I got coaches my coaches probably hammered you know so it's like, <laughs> yeah. they, don't, they don't have the same right. access so it's it's less about it's it's less about. Uh, you know your talent, but it's more just about almost kind of dumb luck. Like whenever you were born, it has a lot to do with your chance of being a professional hockey player. It's just random. There's a lot of there's a lot of those books that came out at that time, like The Long Tail, and and there's no such thing as luck that you'd read. And, and if it applied to what made you successful by your lifestyle, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense for me. 
Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with confidence too. Once you know you're like the baddest boy on the right. thing, then you like you go after it a little harder, you know. And before we get off the topic of uh, kids and their perception of race, um, <laughs> my kids when we first moved out here, uh, my kids uh, when we started hanging out with Al and uh, his wife Genesis and their son Elijah, you know, our kids got to be friends like really quick. And uh, it was like the first time that they had like hung out with like uh, another black kid regularly, you know. And it was so funny because we would watch NBA games. My youngest son was probably like, uh, I don't know, like three at the time. And every NBA player that popped up on the screen, Owen would go, that's Elijah's daddy. That's not this crowd. And then it would be like a different NBA player. He'd be like, that's Elijah's daddy. Like, There's a lot of black guys in the universe, buddy. Like, it's not all just Elijah's dad. Oh, wait, let's keep talking about this then. So right when Bert the Conqueror came out, for some reason, brothers love it. I don't know why. Yeah. So uh, if, if I ever checked in in an airport, sky caps all of a sudden, oh, shit. Yeah. That's Bert the Conqueror. And so, and I think it was because I was being maybe stereotypically white, and I would get scared and scream yeah. and whatever. It was like this, like it was like I don't know what I was. It was like a big goofy white guy being big goofy white guy. So, um, so I go. They pick me up off the road. It just starts airing. The numbers come out. And the numbers are high. The very first like four weeks are really high, and so a lot of people are watching. We go to Magic Johnson's uh, Chili's. On La Tierra, because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, let's get lunch. They pick me up at lunch. Let's lunch, and, and as we go, there's a little bit of weight. Well, it's Friday, isn't it? It's something, whatever it is. And so, uh, it's definitely Magic Johnson. Yeah, yeah. And so, which for those of you that are not listening, Magic Johnson opened a number of businesses that were back in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. considered white yeah. businesses. He opened them in in, in African American neighborhoods and said. I think they'll do just as well here, and there won't be problems. I think that white people are afraid to do business, and he made, and that's why he's a millionaire. Is because he millionaire, a gazillionaire. <laughs> he owns part of the Dodgers. Yeah. <laughs> so I go into the bar to get a beer. Sunday footballs on the on the TV. I get a beer, and this one dude recognizes me. It's all brothers in there, and then one dude recognizes me. He goes, "Oh shit!" And I hear him. And this is, by the way. I will say this: Black people recognize you better than any fucking oh, race. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's oh, not yeah. they don't they don't tell you they recognize yeah. you. They go, oh shit, yo, Quate, Quate, <laughs> check this out right here, right here. You know who this is? And he's like, oh shit, Donnell, look over at Ray Ray's arm. Like and it was like it was like this tsunami of getting recognized. And by the end of it, and now everyone who doesn't know who I am just thinks I must be fucking massively famous. And I'm taking pictures with black people all day long. My daughters have never seen me get recognized, so they're this. How's they're, that possible? It was Bert Conqueror just started airing. Oh, so they I, had yeah. at that point. Okay. And mine, they were young. Thing, brother. Yeah. I'm telling you that. Yeah. And, my, and, and, the, and the manager comes up, and they caught my whole fucking meal, and they say, "Sir, it's a pleasure having you. We're big fans of your show." And by the way, I'm like, "This is amazing." All my daughters see is that black people love daddy. Yeah. So anytime we walked around for like a week later and they saw a black person, they'd be like, daddy, daddy, right there, right there. Another free meal. Stop it, Georgia. Stop pointing them out. We're at the mall. Let's just <laughs> put your head down. Walk, walk, walk. <laughs> but so, yeah. What was it? What was it? How were we when we first got recognized? Uh, Do you remember the I, first taste of real fame? Like The first taste of real fame is when I was, I went to do Regis and Kel and Kathy Lee in New York probably within our first season and they put me up at the um, the Regency in New York and no sooner than we sat our bags down in our hotel room 
the phone rang, and my my dad answered the phone, and he was just, and my mom and I were unpacking, and my dad was just like, uh-huh, well, thank you, and uh-huh, and we just kept talking, like, well, this obviously not somebody from the front desk or whatnot, and my dad was totally yuts about it, and, you know, he, again, this is all new to him, and he's like, son, the phone's for you, and I'm like, what? <laughs> all right, and I go over, and it was a fan. It was a fan that had found out what hotel I was at, and I had not discovered yet what it is to check in under another name. We would check in <laughs> under my, under our family name, and they, you know, fans are bold. They called right up to the room, and, you know, they caught us at me being age 12 and my parents not knowing up from down, and my dad handed the phone. My mom just like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> handing, him the, <laughs> handing him the phone to a person, a, a perfect stranger, but that was my first, that was my first trip to New York. It was my first everything, and uh, it just kind of started spiraling out of control from there. Was there a point where people, and I know I'm saying this, and I'll say this from my perspective, and I think we each have a version of this, but like, so my nickname is uh, The Machine. I gave it, I don't want to Is this going to turn pornographic? No, 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 is no, this no, going to no, turn no. <laughs> I got involved with the Russian Mafia when I was 22, and we robbed a train. Mm-hmm. I called myself The Machine, and that's what people call me when I go on stage. They yell The Machine, and when people see me in public, They'll go the machine, and, and it kind of gets me serious. I'm being dead serious, yeah, yeah. And so, wow. and so, I was like, I'm like, yeah. And then they want to do shots all the time, and I have a hard time switching speeds from like the machine to bird who has high blood pressure and high cholesterol. <laughs> and shouldn't be doing shots at a fucking David <laughs> Buster. Yeah. yeah, that's a father with his kids going, kids over there in the jubby house. I'm gonna do shots. Yeah. So, but was there ever a time where people wanted you to? And I. And I I notice it now that there's so no connection, but they wanted you to come on as Urkel or be Urkel or turn on Urkel and, and like, or you felt a pressure to like answer as Urkel. I mean, I know that happened with the Jackass guys. It's like Bam would go out and they'd be like, do Jackass. And they were like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> what that is. Just run, throw run, myself on a bed of nails. You know, at, at, at the end of the day, man, an audience just wants to be entertained, period. So, um, you know, it, it's. You have to be careful with an audience in general. Um, I, I like to do... I like film work. That there, there is a certain amount of craftsmanship that goes into filmmaking, and people will enjoy what it is that you put in front of them, and hopefully I can put the highest level of film work in, in front of them. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been in films like, you know, like I said, Big Fat Liar, Dreamgirls, whatever you name. Those, those, that's when it's fun for me, because then whatever you want to react to... As an audience member, you can go ahead and react to. I'm not necessarily there. I did my work. You know what I'm yeah. saying. Um, but anytime, anytime, basically, any rule for me is, it, it's not even just exclusive to me. Any famous person in a bar past a certain time, it's on. You know, it's yeah. it past past midnight. It, midnight starts to turn around. Starts start to be the cutoff. Yeah. You you need to have your insulation of friends in order to continue on into the night. Yeah. And that's just that's just a rule of what it is to be famous in general. It's not just me, I swear, man. I've heard that I've there have been people I've been in the company with that I was like, I didn't even know you could make fun of that guy for that. Like I was with Donovan McNabb, I remember at a at after uh, at, at a comedy store 
And and normally comedians, you know, if they want to get brave, they might try to have fun with me. Nah, this dude went in on every Chunky Soup commercial Donovan had ever done. Oh, and sure. just, he got a good 20 minutes out of it. And Donovan's sitting there just steaming. And really? Dude, with the internet now, it don't matter who you are, man. You deal with hecklers. That's just what it oh is. Oh, my God. That's I got crazy. a chance to grow up acting and leaving my performance on a screen. Now, that, that's true. If you're that, famous yeah. of any in any way, shape, or form, they put the Kardashians out the Clipper game. They put the Kardashians on the jumbotron, booed roundly. <laughs> the biggest boo I've ever heard in the Staples Center. And Chloe's like, hey, fuck y'all, fuck y'all. And Kendall, you can see, is younger and more impressionable, and is like, this really sucks. Like, fifteen thousand people are really booing me right now, and they don't even know me personally. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like. Damn, like that's actually rough. At that point, I'm like, "Fuck, put me on the jumble try." I know I ain't getting booed. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, you know, that is a collective. You know You're like, you know what you are? You are the uh, the first group of settlers. <laughs> After they killed the Indians, <laughs> like you got this great land, and you're like, "Oh, there were people here. I didn't even know about that." <laughs> you know, so it's just it's it's so all relative to the times and the generation, and I'm so respectful of all of it. Um, you know, I just go with the flow and keep working. I I, I ended up getting rele- uh, relegated to the the uh, the kitty table at a Thanksgiving dinner this past year at a friend's house. Because I showed up late And I'm like Screw you guys I'd rather sit with A 10 year old girl anyway She's got cool apps On her phone Let's go yeah, yeah. So so me and the girl We just We had this great Little dinner And she's like You know Who do you know And who do you know And I thought For a second I said You know She wanted to know Who I knew Who was famous I'm like Who would she care about That I'm famous And so I go on my phone And I was like Do you know This particular guy And I pulled up This guy that I follow On Vine And he's got 12 million followers Oh yeah And she freaked out like I had pulled out Eddie Murphy. Really? She's like, you know King Batch? Oh my God, you know King Batch? Like she freaked out even better. I'm like, hold on one second. Because this is what the young kids do. I FaceTimed him. Yeah. Boom, he comes right up. Oh my God, Jesus FaceTimed King Batch in front of me. And I mean, she is literally reacting like I just put Adam Sandler in the room. And this is somebody that has 12 million followers on phones. And when I walk around with him and we're in malls, People flip out over him, and then they flip out over me because they watched me too. Yeah. But it's like it's all coming from these different devices. So it's just like I'm so crazy respectful of it. Um, it's just cool to be relevant, period, in those kind of situations where all these kids that are jocking him for being on their phones are like, I know you too. Well, must be and that's te- where I ended. I'm it, like, cool. It must be a testament to your parents because, I mean, I, I'll say all of us probably grew up like not, no, I can't say you, looks like I, I, you had a different life. All of us grew up with regular parents because we none of us yeah. had anything. My dad was obviously regular. He handed me the but, fucking phone. Yeah. With the <laughs> that must be. He gave me the rubbers. But that must be. was very regular. That must be the reason you're not Macaulay Culkin or or I, I was gonna Corey ask that. Feldman. I was like, I mean, dude, you're super. And I mean, you talk. I mean, obviously, we all have levels. You're you're super successful, Bert. You're super successful. Like, but you're super. Super normal. You must get that a lot. Like I mean, it, it, it just I mean, seemed, you seem like you were raised by just old school black parents. That you know, aunt that hands you the by phone. Oprah like, and I did. Oh, guy says he knows you. So he I, have, I actually have. I have. I have. Listen, let me oh, tell you. Oh, you're the only one that heard that, Dave. That was yeah. the greatest. What by the way, say? nothing, nothing. Damn nothing. It. No, no, let it, let it live. Yeah, hey, listen, I've, I've had, I've, I had switches pulled off a tree, off a tree when I was a kid. Wait, just, just, just. Look at how funny that was. That line that you missed is the fucking greatest line I ever said. 
I got a sandwich. Sorry, I stepped on it. No, 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 no. I, I just slid it in. I slid it under the carpet over to Dave, and Dave's the only one that checked my home, my, my, my home cards. He goes, you seem like you were raised by very ordinary parents. I said, yeah, like Oprah Danny Glover. <laughs> Picture Danny Glover. Oprah, like, it's a boy. By the way, I just think I I think I just painted a very brutal scene in purple orange. Purple color. Purple orange. They were the most horrific parents in the world. <laughs> the black purple. Oh, they should go a white color purple. Right. Color. Stop it. That's the stop it. You stop it right there. That's where you'll stop. What's the equivalent of a white still be in What's the equivalent of the white color purple? Like what period? Oh, it's gotta be Rosie O'Donnell all, all plays over. Tell you something. All I remember was that Out of Africa stole all of his damn Oscars. How about that? And I was a kid. Uh, and that movie's yeah. terrible. No I was a nobody, kid nobody out of Africa, stole every Oscar color purple was supposed to get. And I remember as a kid going, This is wrong, man. That, this that is was, wrong. That was that, that version of Selma. <laughs> I wanted yeah. to bring it back to the question you asked, but were your parents had to be extremely normal. Were they yeah. the kind of parents that would bring up, like, hey, Emmys are coming around? or um, What do you mean, Emmys are coming or, around? Like, <laughs> would, they, would they care about like anything you do? Would they be like, Hey, uh, you know Regis? Could you get us a picture of your dad? Because my dad wouldn't know, even know who the fuck Regis. No, my parents were very, my parents were very aware. My mom was just more interested in making me um, a man. Just just making me a, a well-rounded person. Like I'm, I'm probably one of the last generation of kids to be honest to work in the industry that actually cared about going to college. You know, like I went to UCLA. Like this generation you went to UCLA. Yeah, yeah. Like this this generation, you know, they don't. That's not even. Why would you slow down your career? To even go to college for me, like that was actually a struggle because I had to make conscious decisions to turn down certain things to go to college. But my conscience was was just not cool being the only person in my family without a college degree. Now, meanwhile, if I had, you know, like with my daughter, if my daughter were to catch fire doing anything, I'm like, oh no, fuck that! You ain't going to UCLA and letting a bunch of silly ass kids take selfies with you. Like you're gonna stay on your career path. Like life has just changed, and I was caught. Right in the middle of, of that of that area. If you had to do over again, would you go when you went, or would you wait until you? I'd still. You, you know what, man? I'm still. I'm. I still have career success, so I don't have regrets about going to college. Right. Anybody who doesn't have career success, they might. Right. So there's there's you know I'm still working. I'm still grinding after it, and it's a grind for everybody anyway. So it doesn't matter. But um, that's the part people forget. Yeah, that's it's a grind for everybody. It's a grind for everybody. John Hamm's auditioning. Yeah, like that, that's, that's the, people don't get it. like in their in their minds. It's like you've made it, and people just kind of like shower money and scripts on your front steps. Yeah. And it's like, nah, Reese Witherspoon's now competing against Jessica Alba for the same role. And here's and it's like you know people are doing analytics to figure out well. Should we pay her ten million or should we pay her eight? And you know what's what's what what are the cost benefits of both? Well, the thing the thing in that that I think people forget is yes. Uh, you could have never auditioned and worked for the rest of your life if you planned on playing that character. Right. However, if you want to break out of that, you have to audition, and that's right. why you go Kevin Hart. Oh, he didn't have to audition. No. Well, I think they want Kevin, and I'm, I would say this for Kevin, but in uh, Best Man or uh, Best Friends Man or Best Ringer, best, yeah. the wedding ringer, they just want Kevin to play a version of Kevin. And so when Kevin wants to break out and play About Last Night, he's got to audition. 
He's got to fucking yeah, go no, in they, and they, prove he can do that Johnny, job. Jonah Hill auditioned for uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, he, you he lobbied. He fought for that role. They'll uh, let you be who you. They, they'll let you stereotype yourself if you want, and yeah. you don't have to audition at all. By the way, Bert, I figured out why you're so popular with black people. You are becoming an old black man. <laughs> I wanted to be an old black man. Yeah, they don't give a shit. Oh my god! Joe Fessenden. Joe Fessenden was our was our janitor at this private school I went to, and I don't have a grandfather. I lost both my grandfathers. I don't remember any of this. My mom always tells me this. But I do remember Joe Fessenden. And Fess, I, how do you say his name? Fessenden. Fessenden. Yeah, Joe Fessenden. Definitely yeah. messing that name up. Right. I'm sure I'm messing right. that name up. I'll call my mom right now. Yeah, I'm gonna call my mom. Next right time you see now. Bert, he's gonna have a cartoon bird on his shoulder. Right. So Joe I told Fessenden. this guy. I told this guy. I, I don't have a grandfather. I don't, I'm at the water fountain. He's just standing there, and we start talking about quarters. And I said, like the quarter, and I was obsessed with coins, and figuring horses, and precious gems. And I said to Joe, I said, I don't have a grandfather. Would you be my grandfather? Because he was older looking. And he, like, it, I guess it touched his heart. So this guy was my grandfather for, like, the whole time I was there. Joe, it's got to be Joe Fessenden. And, but I remember as a kid, this sounds going to sound, I don't know what it's going to sound like, but it is what it is. Uh, I remember looking at his hands and thinking, I want my hands to look like that. It looked like his hands were, like, almost, like, perfect, perfectly old. Like, and I've always felt like black men's, old black man's heads, old black man's hands tell more stories than old white man's hands. Old white man's hands look, uh, look like, 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 uh, rice paper. They look scary. They look like sad and death. But old black man's hands look like they've been polished and, and they got, and they got stories. Yeah. Is that, is that, yeah, is that I don't know what that means, but. I like my hands. Danny <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I was watching you pick your nails and I was like, you got the beginnings of old black man hands. <laughs> you know what though? I've. I guess I love comedy, and I and for anybody that understands what I did as, as a kid, actually, the people who really get it, they understand that I love comedy. Like even the relationship between Steve and Carl, that that was, you know, um, that was Norton and Cramden from from yeah. from Honeymooners. That was Barney and uh, Barney and Fred from the Flintstones, which mm-hmm. borrowed from Norton and Cramden. So like I watched, I've seen every episode right, of the, the Honeymooners. Comic and the I've guy. seen yeah. I've seen every episode of the Honeymooners, and right. I studied them all when I was probably about fourteen years old, and that's really what got me in the zone. So I just I just love comedy. So one of the things about comedy is rich people aren't funny. They are. Well, let me. I'd like they, to step in here. Look at this watch. Um, yeah. hey, mom, <laughs> hey mom, what was Joe? What was uh, Joe? Was it Joe Fessenden that worked at Berkeley? We can't hear that, Joe. Yeah, do you remember the? Uh, older black dude that I asked to be my what grandfather. Oh yes, yes, that was Joe. But I don't know. Yes, that was Joe. Huh? What was, what his, was last his last name? name? Do you remember? No, you want me to get a yearbook and look it up? Yeah, go to the yearbook and look it up. Will you call me back? <laughs> I love it. Thank you, mom. Right. Get his yearbook. Thank you, mom. No, but it, it's the truth, though. When I say I'm, I'm serious, like rich people are not funny. When Mel, when Mel Brooks was a poor Jew from Brooklyn, he was hysterical. And then when he came out, he became a rich Jew in Beverly Hills. You know, his the quality of his work has to change because he has to become more political. And when Chris Tucker came out, and it's like all the movies that we oh. love with Chris Tucker, he was wearing a wife beater. 
He's wearing a white beater for yeah, all of them. He's wearing a white beater for uh, Friday. He wore a white beater on the freaking poster of freaking Money Talks. He's wearing a white, I mean, and then all of a sudden you see a person progressively get prettier. Their haircut get better. And this, that, and it's like, in order to, to you Eddie Murphy. In order, yeah. yeah. In, in, order to, in order to stay funny, you have to stay connected to the everyman in some, in some way. So it's like a lot of the people that I really like would be like Bill Murray. Um, because he deliberately does things to keep himself connected. Like, he'll even just... Bill Murray will crash weddings. He'll just, show, he'll just show up in frats. And it's like, I understand actually what he's doing. Is that he's keeping himself fresh. He's keeping himself alive. He's not allowing... He's not allowing, this, he's not allowing the system to say, you retreat to your $12 million home in the hills. Because the problem is when it's time to actually go do some comedy, I got to relate to Dave. I got to relate to everybody in this room for all the stories that you're telling. So it's like where some people be like, oh, that's so humble, or this, that, and you know, like there's different ways to go about it. Let me ask you this: Do you think that's what happened to Kramer? Do you think that he came down from Bel Air and was in a room with some people and lost his shit? Hundred percent. Like as a matter of fact, when George Lopez always gave the Whoa. great example of that, George Lopez just said, "Look, being a stand-up comedian is a profession, and there's a craft to being a stand-up comedian. I'm an actor. I can't jump on the stage and be a stand-up comedian." Um, I could work at it. I know I could work at it, but there is. But I could also be a host. That was an actor that was caught in a stand-up comedian's role, ran out of material. The crowd got on that ass, and he came yeah. back with inappropriate responses. Done. That's that simple. It, it's not. It, it's not even a complicated thing. I remember when George Lopez responded about it. I was just kind of like, uh, George knows his craft. Yeah, yeah. He was, I, out, he was out of his. He, he, he was he, out of his element. And, 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 and I, I've done something similar to that Not with that But with a lot of times with women Like this weekend I said to this girl She was just talking <laughs> And she was being like snappy And I, and oh, I, I, said, to, I said to her I you called her a young room. lady And she goes, she goes I'm not a young lady I'm a woman And I was like You're not even, you're not even close She was 22 I go have you shit in a room full of strangers yet? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like blown away And I said I said, hey, He went there and she was like, "No, what? Who even does that?" I said, "Women." And then I and then and then the worst part is that then then I got then you get like this this like swing happy like the early Tyson yeah. like I'm just gonna fucking knock her out. Yeah, and I was like, I, and then I go, I go. As a matter of fact, you know what? I look at the audience. I go, I don't even think vocal cords should develop in a woman until they're thirty. Like a quarter of the dudes go fuck oh shit oh god <laughs> and, and then I just lost the room and I was like ah, I got swing happy yeah. and that's why I think he got swing happy I think he thought he was going to say something shocking and the room would go with him but then he got in that hole and he was like and he was like uh yeah. I mean I don't know that was the craziest rant that was like that's still in a day and age where sadly enough you could go on the internet and watch somebody get beheaded but again, that Kramer shit is still shocking but again nah, going. nah but again you, it, it, like I said generational he wasn't respecting the fact that if something like that happened in a comedy club in 1991 it just would have happened in that club and it would have been, been and it would have been lower it would have been word of mouth that's it it would have been yeah. lower it would have been word of mouth but, it, but if that happened but if that happened he was completely unaware of this guy in the back of the room he was completely disconnected to that cat. That's what I'm saying. Where I was like, even with stand-up comedy, 
I probably would have even done more stand-up comedy, but I'm so aware of this particular guy. So it's just kind of like, uh, how do I want to go about doing this? You know, I'm very aware of what's going on. I went into the Laugh Factory because of the testament of the power of the cell phone. That was one of those first, like, crazy. I went in there, and and as we were sitting in the balcony with my wife, I pointed to the seat like that's where President Lincoln got shot. (laughs) Like, because of of my goodness, this is where we're on, and this is the balcony, and this is who is who is. It was, and she's like, oh, that's really something. It was such a huge deal. You got to take it on the chin when people start fucking heckling you. You got sometimes you got to take it on the chin and be like, you know what? Like if I get, I've, I had a woman, uh, I was fucking with this redneck dude with a mullet in the front row, like right when of I got on stage, and I was just fucking <laughs> hammering him. And this chick behind him with this like fucking big wig on, black chick and her friend are just like, are they're they're laughing hysterically, but they're up in his face like this to him. And I go, calm down, Macy Gray, you're next. And yeah. as soon as I said that, she went down and was like, fuck you, you're racist. And I go, and I go, I haven't even said anything. I haven't said anything about, except about white people. You can't say they're racist. And she goes, I date a white boy and he'll fuck you up. I go, honey. I date a white boy and he'll fuck you up. I go, honey. That. Yeah. That's hard and to come back to. I know too much about people. Yes, Louisville. I, yeah, Louisville. I'm sorry, Louisville. I was going to say a leak. I was yeah. there that weekend. And I go, and I go, I go, honey. I know more about people than you know about me, and I know what your white boy looks like. He's skinny as fuck, and he ain't shit. And her friend's like, "Oh shit!" Like, <laughs> and you remember what she did? She uh, she's calling you racist, a little left and right, and she's caused a scene. And you said, "I never do this, but I'm gonna have to ask you to get kicked out." Yep. And basically, they kicked her out. And but she were trying to recruit everyone. To oh yeah. With her. Like, ain't this boy racist? Ain't he racist? And, and even the black people in the room were like. Eh. Now I got you. want to watch the show. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody was backing there's her up. A, Nobody. There's a side of stand-up comedy, man, that is really, it's a boxing match. And it's like the, the guys that I know that do it the best, like they have material on deck, actually. And they, like, they literally, they got freaking index cards. If you if you fat and white, if you if you black, if you, if you look like yeah. you got a whole bunch of kids, fucking, if you look like, the you know. Real, the real talent. The real, real talent is just, when you've been doing it long enough. That you can take this person down and get right back onto your show. Oh, it's 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 so nice. Like, I've been doing it probably 16 years yeah. now. It's so nice to know that when someone steps up that I, I have so many experiences that I've failed at and succeeded at yep. that I can whittle through those right. in my head and make it happen. And it's so nice What's, what's really good is like Ian Bag's really amazing at this, oh. and I, I feel like I'm pretty good at it, but not amazing. But it's like having so much life experience. You know about that person's life before they do. I used to do it. I used to be able to tell what pe- car people drove, and I, I could only. But it was through Ian. I could only tell when people drove a Toyota Tundra. Like I could pick out that person, yeah. the person who wanted a pickup truck but bought foreign. You know what I meant? Like I could pick those people out. You can see it's it's from years of watching people. I don't know how often you watch people come into the showroom, but watching people come into the showroom, you can tell who the fuck they are. You can tell the people that's like they bought their tickets yeah. four days ago. Yeah, dress, they're sober. Even for the ten o'clock, they're ready to go. But they you can read a room if you want. You, you can, can sit in a room, easily. watch them sit down. As the best is, we and did. most smart comedians do. They sit in the back, the sets before, and they watch the room and they start picking but out. It starts to sound. You become really good at reading people in general. Like you, if you're sitting at a restaurant, you just you you, you just you know how to. Yeah. You become a, a people observer. Yeah, you're like that's a first date. That girl's not feeling him. Those two guys are about to go talk to those girls yeah. at the bar. <laughs> but this is, they're trying to decide which one they're going to talk to. And they're like, you can see, because we've been in a million bars. We, we're like we're like football scouts, but for bars. It's like you, can just, see, oh, that's such yeah. a you can just see analogy. everything that's happening. It's like nothing new is happening on a Friday night. 
everything that's going to go down has already happened. Already, dude, yeah. you can always tell the frat dudes that are about to fight it. The guy's like, fuck the guy, man. Fuck him. Yeah. What's up? You can see it happening three minutes before there's a fight. You can see a fight. It, it's anything that you do that often. Um, and with comedy, we just happen to get an array of people. So we... Yeah. we, we uh, Across the spectrum, but like with, when I was selling cars, you just take so many ups and so many customers, you know that a customer is going to act one of three ways. Like you just can pigeonhole them, and it's so predictable. What's your favorite what comedian of all time? David Tell. Who is it? David Tell. No David question. Tell. Okay. Sam Kinison's like my legend. Okay. But I think he fell off in the end. David Tell's a guy that I don't do what he does. And I love watching what he does, and I pay money to see what he does. Okay. I, I, to this, yeah. My favorite of all time is actually kind of an obscure comedian for for whites at least, but it was a guy named Robin Harris. Oh, yeah. oh my God, baby, I, that baby is huge. Dude, he okay. was doing. Well, I said for whites, he was, but for any black no, person, like no. I, I got to take his card if he doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> man, Robin yeah, Harris was doing what. Mike Birbiglia does yeah. fucking years ahead of that. I mean, Robin Harris was doing long-form storytelling when fucking people were like, who remembers government cheese? Yeah. Like, still around? No, he died. He, he died. died. Heart yeah. 20 he years ago now. Yeah, he's yeah. been dead a while. He was going... Robin Harris yeah. would have been Bernie Mac. He would have been Bernie Mac. Bebe's kids. You never heard that? Oh, yeah, I know Bebe's kids. He would have been Bernie Mac before Bernie Mac. He was Bernie he, Mac. Before no Bernie joke, Mac. he died at Roscoe's, dog. Oh, did he die? He died at Roscoe's? He, he, he can't be the only one. He had his heart attack <laughs> eating chicken and waffles, and they took him out of there. What a guy is Roscoe? Yes. That makes Roscoe. Well, they got him out of there before he was pronounced dead, but I'm saying. They thought he was heartburned until he left. That's where the heart attack began, was in Roscoe's. You guys got to be sitting in the Robin Harris booth. Yes. (laughs) There is a Robin Harris booth. Or sir. Um, What about you, Ryan? Who's your number one? And don't say Steve Byrne. No. (laughs) He still has comedy? I would say uh, Bill Burke. I mean, it's just unreal. Okay. I mean, you sit there and you're just like, there's no way you're going to be able to come out with another hour, and a year later, it's another hour of just death-defying has, great material. And I'm just like, has, every time has, I see yeah. him, I'm like, why do I do this? Why has anyone this? seen Bill Burr doing this conversation with his two adopted children, one that worked in the factory and one that was a, uh, a Liberian boy soldier? No. Okay, go online. Uh, go, go get a special. It's his last special. Go get a, right? It's his last special. Bill does this small improv in a joke that is maybe my favorite thing in comedy in I've ever seen. Cool. It is. I'll, I'll tell you what. I will. I will. Ta- I will uh, tweet it to you today. It is the funniest bit of comedy I've seen in a very long time. And all I thought was, I need to be acting out more bits. It was so brilliant the way he did it. He's unreal. And my favorite Bill Burr story. I'm. Uh, I'm pretty good friends with him and I've told him the story a couple times he didn't even fucking remember it that's how much shit he does I, I was when I was first emceeing at the, at the West Palm Beach Improv he was on stage and he started making fun of this old dude that like had a scarf on and like was clearly so old he didn't know what was happening and like Bill was just like going off on this dude and he didn't even know the comedian was talking to him and the crowd was laughing so much there was this couple at a high top table like the table you sit at, at there's a two yeah, top yeah. and your feet don't even touch the ground they were laughing so hard. Everybody was laughing so hard. They were laughing and they fell forward and they banged heads. Like this couple, like this male and female, they were laughing and they fucking smacked heads. Like they were just so uncontrolled. And I told Bill, he was like, I don't even remember that. Like, he, I've never seen anybody smash, smash at clubs and other comics in the back. Like, holy. Bill Burr, Bill Burr, I'll have to tap in perspective and everyone will chime in on this. 
Bill Burr did a Opie and Anthony stadium tour and went into Philadelphia, and they had booed the first two comics off stage. And Bill went up thinking he'd turn them around, do a little stand-up, and after his first joke, he kind of flubbed it a little bit, and they started booing, and Bill said, you know what, fuck you guys. I got 14 minutes off stage, and I'm going to tell you 14 minutes why you in this room in Philadelphia is the worst place in the fucking world. I hope you all get AIDS. And literally, for seven minutes, is destroying the people of Philadelphia to the point where he's doing it so brilliantly, they turn and give him a standing ovation. He's like, no! And he keeps going, I got four minutes left, you motherfuckers! I'm not done with you! And he's got them up against the ropes. Four minutes! Four minutes! And they're fucking standing ovation when he walks off. It is one of the most brilliant... Next to Bernie Mac's Def Jam set... One of the most. Have you ever seen Bernie Mac's Def Jam uh, set? Def, I, mean, I, grew up, I was weaned on Def Jam. That, was the, that is the greatest... Bernie I'm Mac's, scared of you, motherfucker. Bur- <laughs> you, mother- you know the story about that, right? It's Hamburger Jones had gone all right before him. Hamburger. And, Hamburger. And they booed him. And everyone's like, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And they were like booing anyone not from New York. And so Bernie Mac, and by the way, this is all via Bill, via Patrice, via, via hanging with, you know? And so, and it was him just coming out going, kick that shit. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. And just hammering it. And by the end, I mean, my favorite part is when they do that, they do that wide angle shot and you see the dudes in the front row fucking swamping, just, oh shit. And and I, that is the greatest. I don't think I've ever had that moment in comedy per se. I've had good sets. Def Jam was special, career. man. Like, Def Jam was a moment in time. You know, that's the cool thing about, about entertainment and it's kind of hard to find it now because of of all these different mediums, phones and internet, whatever, but there are iconic moments that are still happening. Yeah. And it's like that's one thing I have become I've come better at doing is identifying an iconic moment as it's happening. I think that comes with age also. What do you think the last one was? Comedian? Right now. Com- Comedy wise. The last great comedy moment? Right. Are we talking about stand up or are we talking about just something that happened out just life? Yeah. I mean, wow, that's... I know, I know, I'm putting you on the spot. It's, it's, no, no, it's, I mean, it's fine. It's probably the thing that's going to hit me in the car as I'm driving yeah. away from here. But I'm like, you know, um, wow. Well, you know, uh, uh, Brian Regan's going to record a live special on Comedy Central. Uh, they just announced that. I think that's going to be pretty... Yeah. Pretty... Uh, I'll tell you what was kind of iconic. You may, not, you may not like who he is, but I thought Justin Bieber's roast was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was, I think there's a whole generation that's going to look back on that, and they're just again they're, they're a lot younger than us, but they're going to be like that roast was pretty cool. I think, and also I hope that that roast. I hope people, you know, I, more than anything, I hope that roast got a lot of people into like a lot, it's going to inspire a lot of young people to get into joke right. Yeah, because they changed that, the nature of roast. Roast, roast yeah. before that used to be only res, pre, reserved for Free somebody friends. who had had a long a long career. Mm-hmm. It was a Friars Club type thing. Yeah, and so instead. That kind of opened up the entire concept of a roast to just anybody that had a lot of material on them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Just like a lot of things, so many things. Like I would love, I hate to say it, but I, I would love to see a Lindsay Lohan roast. Oh, like I would yeah, just, yeah. I would oh. love to see. Like I would, I would watch that. Now, I would love to see a Lindsay like, Lohan say, roast. Let's say you had the opportunity. Somebody goes, we Comedy Central is going to roast you. Now right. you have a choice. You can. It can be right. your friends, or it can be super famous people. How would you like it? Would you I mean, rather the Bieber roast or would you rather be like your homeboy from high no, school? No, I want pros. I mean, yeah. I, that's me. I yeah, want professionals. I don't yeah. want just some jackass that I went to high school yeah. with. I want, I want pros. And that's what I mean when I was like, it changed the concept of a roast to me. So again, I think that's iconic. I think 
five and ten years from now, we will have had the Lindsay Lohan roast. We will have had this roast. We have that roast, and it will change the trajectory of what it is to roast somebody. Right. So that's when, like, I'm getting better at identifying those iconic moments. Right. You know, I thought it was an awesome moment at the end of the Beaver roast when Beaver got a little yeah. vulnerable, and whether it was, uh, you know, scripted or not, sincere or not, he delivered it. He delivered it perfectly. He delivered it, and it made you feel good about all. The uh, shit talking that had just yeah. happened up to that point. It was. Yeah, he delivered his lines at the end. Great. It was an awesome storyline. It was an awesome yeah. storyline. It was like, nah. Maria, you got everything. You, I think he said to America, like, he said to America, hey guys, I gave you this moment to all trash me and laugh at what a fucking jackass I've been. Yeah. But don't don't realize, don't think that I don't realize. Yeah. <laughs> but even that, but even with that whole jackass thing, it's like, you know, I mean, I met Justin Bieber, man. I hung out with the kid one night, whatever, and it's like, you know, they, I've seen so I've seen so much worse. I mean, Judy Garland was the first, you know, Lindsay Lohan. We just didn't have the internet back then. Yeah. You know, it's just, I've seen so much worse. It's just unfortunate that literally you can't, like I said, if I'm going to go to college now, I mean, and fall asleep in class, I'm going to get a jackass to film me and yeah. then put it up on, online. On and that's no yeah. reflection of what I was as a student. Right. So I'm saying, I'm like, he, he's also kind of a victim of that, of, 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 of that in that, I expect a 17-year-old kid to have some douchebag moments. Yeah, right. You know Especially what I'm saying? Especially when like, the hottest women in the world want to fuck you. Like, That's yeah, going to be a problem. But my man Jameis Winston with the crabs and whatnot, he yeah. was like, he had the hookup. Okay, every yeah. brother knows what yes. the hookup is. The homie gave him the crabs, and he was like, cool, yeah, now you good? That's <laughs> what he exactly. told him. It's, and it just blew up into this crab gate situation. Yeah. And it was like, nah, he was afraid to have a hookup at his store. It was like, yeah, I know who you are, and I got you. Yeah. Like, I, I thought it was a pussy move for Bobby Bowden to come out. After all of it, and make his comments. I, I was like, I was like, you know what? If you're gonna say that you don't like the kid, say that you don't like the kid while he's in the program, and comment on Jumbo Jimbo Fisher. But like, like I, I don't know. I, that kid, I don't, I don't look. Here's what I have to say about James Bert, Winston. Bert went to I went to FSU. I, he, I have to say, he was acquitted. He was not charged with anything. And as as a human in this society, I can't now say. Well, I think he got off. I have to say that's our legal system. That how that's how that worked in his behalf. I think if anyone gets the raw shake in the legal system, it's young black males. Right. So clearly, that's the one dude getting fucking railroaded. But he got out. Oh, so I, there's discrepancies. The crab legs. Come on, it, that that was the hookup for the team. It was the hookup for the yeah. team. The it whole the team whole. was running in there grabbing crab legs. It was, just, <laughs> it, it was just that he's the quarterback, so the quarterback got to sit in the offensive lineman to get yeah. his crab legs. And, 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 and all the whole team is acting like jackasses because they're young boys. Yeah. They're young boys. You can't say eighteen. Children. I visited Gainesville, man. I actually spoke to that university. I could not believe what Tallahassee. Were, Tallahassee's word. Yeah, I know. I know. This was this Florida. Yeah, yeah. I went to Gainesville, but I went when I went to Gainesville. I could not believe the amount of underage drinking that they they, they promoted. Yo, they're like it's they're, crazy. Like they're, I'm it's like crazy. I'm like wait a minute. Like why do we even have this law in the country if this place exists in the country? I couldn't believe it. They the stadiums open. They encourage you go fuck drink in the stadium. Like lose your virginity and roll roll K if you want to. Like they they encourage that shit, dog. And it was like I, it makes it makes no sense. So that's when I'm like I'm just not a guy that delves in hypocrisy. Yeah. So when I see something like that, I'm just like order me another one. I see what's going on here. This is this is this is good. And I think of my <laughs> four, I think of my four. I, I I came up with like great parents and I was a very grounded child. But when I think of the things I did the four years of my college, oh, if man. I was like, going back to the fever thing, if that shit was blasted out everywhere. 
People, I mean, I mean, I was no better. Justin I just Bieber, didn't have the money or the reach. Man, Justin, <laughs> Bieber, Justin Bieber ain't doing nothing that kids in Austin, Texas are doing a hundred times over. That's another place filled with lawlessness. I mean, it was like the walking dead of drunks out there. Yeah, I, never, I ain't never seen anything like this before. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Have you been to Austin, Texas? Yes. That's why I, I really, in some style, it's a weird term. That's why I respect the fuck out of Tim Tebow, though. <laughs> Tim Tebow went to Florida where they make drunk white girls. It's like a factory. <laughs> it's a, that's where they are manufacturing. They have the Barbie factory. They have the Barbie factory and they have the drunk white girl factory in Florida. And they're next to each other. He didn't fuck anybody. <laughs> Dude, then you should meet more gay dudes. <laughs> Like when they, like, uh, when the internet showed the chick that Tebow dated in college, you were just like, "How and why?" Was she hot enough? Oh my god! Yeah, it was unreal. Dude, it was like, <laughs> here's the here's the secret. <laughs> of the it was unreal. It looks like she was animated. Super virgin, super Christian white girls are fine as fuck because they're untouched and they got that like. I haven't seen the world face. I haven't no, seen they, they, the world. they don't have that like my boyfriend kicked out of our apartment at three in the morning wrinkle. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're untouched. They're, they're like I, I feel like Tebow's gonna get to heaven and God's gonna be like, bro, <laughs> you took the book yeah. too literal. <laughs> it's a book. <laughs> Who goes on fucking drunk bitches like, in Vegas? Only Hunter S. Thompson. It's a book. He's like, well, I thought it's what you wanted. God is like, I gave you that shit. Like. Come on! And also, any think about this. Any girl, think about how many girls are out there trying to get famous. In the first girl that fucks Tim Tebow is famous forever. You're famous. You're on the cover of Time, People, Us Weekly. Dude, I you sell, are, I sell you your own show. Books. <laughs> I blew Tim Tebow. Chicks couldn't fuck that. Dude, I sucked his dick and swallowed. <laughs> now I'm definitely drunk. Now I'm definitely drunk. <laughs> IPAs, the conversation. This is my fourth, I think. Mm. All right, I'm like, El Segundo Brewing Company, everybody. Hook Bill Cosby yeah. will be joining us next. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever meet him? Yes, I did. Yeah. All right. Did you ever meet him? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I always heard he was a, like just not real cool. Bill's a legend. We'll talk about that when that goes off. <laughs> I go. I still go see his stand up. I'd like to see him. He's a legend. Work. He's amazing. I mean, I'm serious. I actually that wasn't even a pun. I have. I have. A, I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's sad the way he's being torn down, but I do think he may have had a slight hand in it. Yeah. Uh, but it's one of those weird things you know, that you can't really like. It's like you can't talk about. Like you know, it's like it's interesting. I don't know. Let's, you're right. Let's just get off the subject. I don't yeah. want to be. No, I'm telling you, I've tried it. having the discussion. It goes to a dark place. Yeah, right? it, it never turns see. in a good way, and it's uh, kind of fucking you know, like whatever. I'm Although Malcolm Jamal Warner just got on the cast in the new series Crime Stories today. Oh. Yeah. I was like, I wonder what the first episode will be. <laughs> <laughs> Molly! <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it, it, it's going to go to a dark place because there, there are things that we as human there are things that we as human beings don't want to talk about. And there's things that I think that, obviously, I don't know Bill at all, I don't know, but I mean, I feel like we all have our issues and our secrets and our things that we're into, and I think we come from, whether we want to admit it or not, being in this country, we are uh, like you've been to Amsterdam and shit. You got dildos hanging in the window. Like people don't give a yeah. fuck about sex over there. So I think it'd be better, you know, when you go to France, the, the president, the prime minister's got a, a side chick. 
You know, when, you, yeah. when you're allowed to be sexually free in a country, it, it allows that. And I think it, it, you have less of this shit. You have yeah. less of people being caring about shit like that. So... You got to hear my... Yeah, man. Hey, it was good hanging out, man. Yo, Thank you for doing this. No, absolutely. I appreciate it. It was fun. Is there anything you want to plug? Yeah. Um, shucks, man. I just did Castle. I just did Hawaii Five O. Google me, bitch. Jesus, I'm, yeah. out. <laughs> I'm, out, I'm out there, man. I'm out there. This is better. You were on a weird bar stool. Yeah. I was hunched over. My gut was sticking out. Oh, I'm, I feel fat as fuck. Julio, thank you, man. Take care. All right, take care, guys. So, uh, here's my problem with Jaleel, now that he's gone. <laughs> uh, I, I remember the first time I saw him on a red carpet, and he was like, and he, he wasn't the guy on TV. Like, I was seeing on TV, and he was like, hey, how you doing? He shook the guy's hand, and I was like, oh, he's a regular person? Like, yeah. I'm that dumb. I'm just dumb enough to, like, not remember in the sixth sense, like, to not know... That he's a ghost. That's my intelligence level. Right. I'm Hollywood's window. Like, I didn't know who Kaiser Soze was until the very last minute. Like, I, I am that stupid. You never see anything coming. Like, I never see it coming. I never. And like, when when you when you like, even the Kardashians. I know it's scripted. You know, I'm sure it's scripted. But like, I'm still the person that goes. So wait, they're really that fucking. You know, like, airplane repo. How do they? Holy hell, this is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I went on audition. I went on like five auditions for like South Beach Toe. Oh, yeah. I was just about to bring that yeah. up. That is- I never booked it, which I don't know what it says about my acting ability. <laughs> but, uh, what then- were you supposed to do? Be a guy getting your shit towed? Uh, every single time, yes. One, once was an audition for a guy getting his boat towed. Uh, or repo. They just come and you're all outraged. Well, you know, you're supposed to be in a boat. I don't, I don't remember the scenario, but yeah, I was in a boat and I was supposed to be pissed that they were pulling me over or something. Like, you're supposed to go, oh, Brent McHenry on them? Yeah. Listen, baby girl, lose no, some Every money. audition was you yelling at them towing you, you know? <laughs> but then I remember, like, some, there was an episode that got, like, a lot of, like, internet heat and everyone was like, I can't believe that happened. And I just felt being like, how do you people not know this is fake? I've auditioned for this show five times. Like, it's not real. Yeah. I believed that up until I saw uh, a tow truck driver throw a woman in a dumpster. I'm like, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't sign the release for that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that she wouldn't want anybody to see that. I watch, I watch shows. I watch, like, one of those bar shows where they come in and fix up the bar. And I'm bar watching rescue. it. Love I don't know what it was. Oh, I don't, know which, one, I don't know which one it was. I don't know which one it was. Because I know that our company makes one that's similar. But it's probably not that one. It was the other one on Spike. And yeah. so, uh, and they these guys walk up to the bar, and they're like, where's the bartender? And it's, it's in, like, hidden camera. Where's the bartender? Can you believe this? And the girl, like, behind them is like, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And then in my head I went, wait, how can we hear them? Yeah. Because they need microphones on for us to hear them. Like, yeah. they, you can't. And then I was like, wait, in order to have a microphone, they had to sit with the sound guy for five minutes and have him drape something down their shirt. So I was like... So wait, these aren't real customers. And then why wouldn't they ha- pick the time when the bartender's not there for them to show? And I was like, and I called my sound guy. I go, dude, turn on this right now. What the fuck? But yeah, I'm, a, I'm an idiot when it comes that's to... That's part of the problem with knowing how TV works because then that stuff gets exposed to you. But at the same time, even knowing that, when I watch like Bar Rescue or some of these shows, I just, I think, subconsciously choose to forget it. And I want to believe that it's happening, and I don't get. And I think a lot of that stuff not is not as scripted beforehand as much as the fact that it's incredibly controlled in editing. It's that no no that not 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 bar rescue, 
but uh, but like the competition shows a hundred percent. Like I mean, la- I did when I did last comic standing, it was so controlled in editing that you would say things and they'd pull that out of a sentence you were talking about your children and plug it in on like commentary on ant. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like when you that was one of my uh, oh shit, my bad. That was that was one of my big concerns with like last comic. I did it way early in my career, but I'm just like you. I, I've done enough TV now where you look and you're just like I know when something's being edited, and you can kill. You can. I did. Um, I did a show called MTV Made where I was a maid coach, and uh, the oh, kid. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I was on that shit, and uh, my kid. Also in Louisville. In Louisville, so I spent a whole fucking summer in Louisville, man. My wife was with me the whole time, and um, the kid that I was with uh, had Asperger's, and he wanted to do stand up and learn, have confidence, to talk to girls. And uh, they had one set where he, they wanted to put him up at the improv and uh, to do a set. And he was supposed to bomb, and then I was supposed to, you know, pick pick him, pick his spirits up. And he fucking killed my fifteen-year-old Asperger's kid, murdered <laughs> in like a in a regular improv. And they edited it to make it seem like he bombed. And I was like, I was like, I didn't want that to happen in the last comic. They could take any one of you guys. Oh, you guys are some of the best comics in the country, like for real. Like that's not because that's I, I know every comic. I know everybody. I know yeah. every fucking body. You guys are some of the best. They can make you look like you're bombing. All they have to do is take you doing a setup, put the cricket sounds in it, get a cutaway of your eyes looking left to right like you're panicking. Get a cutaway of the judges like, come on, Bert, what are you doing? You're sucking. And then you then they cut away to you going, thank you, good night, and you sloshing off stage. And now Bert sucks? Like, fuck the fuck, you're going to send that out to a fucking 300 million people? Yeah. Well, fuck yourself. Like, no, you can't do it, dog. Yeah. You can't do it. And it's so easy. They'll just do it like, ah, oh, fuck his career. Yeah. Like, fuck him. Like, they try to do it with, uh, uh, who's, uh, not, not Ari, uh, who's the guy uh, writes the weird joke. Ben Cromberg. They tried to do it. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What happened with that? Someone just told me, like, they're like, <coughs> you came in, I want to say it was a, a comedy underground in Toronto, and they're like, Ben Cromberg's like her favorite comic. And I was like, I know that name, I know that name. And they're like, he's the guy that bombed on Last Comic Standing. I go, wait, I saw him. I actually dug what he was doing. I like, I, I was like, I want to see more of that guy because I don't see enough of that. Yeah. Like, there's so much shit. And this, we were talking about this about diversity. Diversity, in my opinion, has nothing to do with your skin color. It has to do with difference of opinions on lifestyles and on on who you are. Right. And like, I love when you see a comic where you're like, "Oh, you're not doing what anyone's doing." That's what I want to watch. You know, that like that's what I want to watch. I don't want to watch a guy that is has seen how it worked in the past. And I, I, by the way, I'm totally guilty of that. I'm like, I'm not saying I'm fucking not the guy that used a lot of hand motions in the late 90s or or uh, or fucking I'm trying to think of what else I did. Oh, like I fucking definitely I own this from the day I die. I would watch Attell's pacing and go, so that's how a joke's written. Yeah. Like, but I thought I was discovering how comedy worked as opposed to stealing someone's style. Yeah. Like I didn't realize I was it's like, oh, you know what cops hate? When you touch them on their faces. <laughs> like, you know, it's like right. it's a t- and so but everyone's guilty of that when they're young. But when you see a guy that's got a different voice, I've said this about every single one of you guys. There's stories that I love about every single one of you guys that is so different than anything I've ever heard. And you you each know that story because I do it to you every time. Right. And I go like, like the fucking, the, I, I cannot watch a goddamn interaction with a mascot and a fucking crowd member <laughs> without hearing your story about... That's one of the fuck. greatest stories. Have you, did you ever tell that on the podcast? 
I think I, I told I her on. I think I told her I was on your podcast. Yeah. Oh, it's my favorite fucking story. Yeah, and I don't want to get. Uh, this is the mention. I'm so glad that you said that about diversity because I feel like I had that same thought and nobody talked. Remember when um, Danny Ferry from the Atlanta Hawks, the GM, got in trouble because that. Eat that that transcript got leaked about that meeting. Yeah, he, was like, yeah, that was, he said we have too many black people on our team. Yeah. We need diversity, and I was like, diversity doesn't just it's it, diversity has now been this word that's associated with brown people, but it's not. Danny Ferry is just like we have a lot of black customers. That's fine. He wasn't saying let's get rid of black customers. He was saying let's get white customers in here too because we're trying to make a profit. He was like, and that and, and it's weird. He got in trouble for saying we need diversity. But that, if he had said we have an all white audience, we need more black people. Everyone would everybody would have been like, yeah, of course. But when you say we got an all black audience, let's get some more white people, then it's like, what the fuck? But I'm like, this dude's. It, it, when diversity starts to creep into business, and when it starts to creep into like everybody is out here working, we everybody's paying rent and Verizon, yeah. fucking crazy bar tabs every night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it's like, and so like when when diversity starts to creep into business it starts to become this thing where oh well you can only use it for this but it's like no I feel he was like we need to get some corporations into this Atlanta Hawk because that's when you go to fucking Clippers game I'm going to game tomorrow it's like when you go to those seats those luxury boxes are not bought by people like us Yeah. That's bought by corporate motherfuckers. He's yeah. like, get get these motherfuckers in here. And because that's of not the, racist, that's pro, that's what this here's, country is. And because of that, he should have this year, this season, he should have won Executive of the Year. But because of that whole thing happened, he's just been like, nah, I'm just gonna stay in the. Yeah. Back I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's absolutely fascinating is that so so say a corporation like the Hawks says we need diversity in here. And then a product... I'm going to fuck this up, by the way, I'm sure, and it's just going to sound like Jimmy the Greek. But, like... <laughs> and then and then a product... I'm not going to make this any sense of this. I'm going to drink. We're all family. But, like, but, like, but, like, it's... So people say, we want diversity in here. But the things that the products are doing is they're trying to sell to people they don't already sell to. So, like, say, Tecate doesn't sell, won't ever advertise with a Mexican comic because Mexican comics... Mexican, Mexican people already love Tecate. I'm not saying all Mexicans. You know what I'm saying. But they you know, do. Yeah, but and so they're not in the commercial. So, so, so someone like Heineken will advertise, would never back me as a comic because they only sell to white people. They would like to sell to a different portion of the market. Yeah. But you're arguing to get diversity in there when, in fact, these products are selling to the antithesis of what you believe. Does that right. make any fucking that sense? That does. It's like, yeah, you're not trying to... And it's, first of all, Tecate had, and I don't know if you could put... The, I don't know how you put a link on... Tecate had the best, because I watch a lot of boxing, they had the best advertising, because they have their advertising that they have like 30 second commercials that are in between boxing rounds that are super short, and they are aimed at fucking Mexican dudes, and it's all about not being a pussy, but you have to watch like weird Mexican boxing, like I've watched crazy boxing, and like one commercial is like, it's, it's a Tecate where it's like all these Mexicans in the kitchen, and this one like new Mexican cook goes to move like a, a pot from one part of the stove to the other and he grabs the handle of the hot and he pulls his hands away and the other cooks are like you fucking pussy and then he grabs it and moves it over and, and it just goes Tecate and that's the whole fucking commercial oh, just don't be a pussy and, don't be a, and then there's like there's one where like there's a guy he's like he's a Mexican dude he's got like a cheap suit on and he gets like the to the front of like wherever you put your, your thing for the dog track like however much you put in yeah, yeah, you know yeah. there's the gate yeah. the woman and so like he slides a certain amount of money under and the woman goes that's not enough money 
And so he opens his wallet and there's a picture of his grandmother and he rubs it and then slides like another five dollars and it just goes to contact. It's like just put them a let it ride, bitch. Don't be a pussy. And that's all it is. It's just like don't their whole theme is don't be a pussy. Okay, you're now I'm gonna have to say this directly to you, Al, because you're a man of color. I am. So wouldn't it be nice to like be an ad sales guy in Mexico where where being offensive isn't really shown up yet? Like we're like you watch El Telemundo, their Judge Judy, their version of Judge Judy, they do custody battles. Like in Judge Judy, they have children in the room going like, "I want to stay with my mom." And they pull the kids out of the room. Wouldn't it be great to be like work for Takate and go? It's all about don't be a fucking pussy, and everyone's like, "Fuck yeah!" Wouldn't that be fucking People awesome? Respond to that. If you think about think about how think about who's the most popular judge in the world, Judge Judy. What does she basically do? She yells at people. Yeah. What do people do on the weekends here in L.A.? All these rich motherfuckers about to do. They hire a big fucking black dude boot camp saying, do that push-up, you fucking pussy. People yeah. respond to getting yelled at. Every show is about you getting every... Uh, all those old shows are like, you need to get your get your bar together. Ju- uh, bar yes. rescue. Clean this shit up. Get your fucking... Everybody likes to be yelled at. You're the worst chef. Really uh, like what's the guy? Shit. What's the British guy? Uh, yeah. Kitchen yeah. Nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a fucking disgrace in here. Your fucking lives are fetish. God damn it, man. You, we just need to yell at motherfuckers. Everyone yeah. responds can, to getting yelled at. Can, can I tell you, just on a side note, uh, I, not only have I been on Bert's podcast, but I'm a fan and I listen... And at least twice every podcast, uh, I think of uh, I know who you're trying to think of the name. And by the way, I've done this like I've done that like three times. I've done that three times. Every time that I like listen, I don't want to be I don't want to annoy you, but I want to be like I just want to text you the correct info. I'd be like I know what story you're talking about. It didn't happen in that city. It happened when I was with you in Margo Island. I'm just so bad at at, uh, it's called it's I I read about it uh, somewhere. By the way, why would I? Why would I be able to tell you the story about the thing I read about not remembering? Things? Yeah, <laughs> he said it's called. I read about it somewhere. But it's, that there's a beautiful sentence. There's a thing. That, there's a thing that happens where people make believe their own memories. It's called beer. It's yeah. called beer. Yeah. <laughs> El Segundo Brewing Company, everybody. No, so I, I have the same issue. Zero, and like, I feel like you and I are a lot of like. And certain dudes like uh, you, I don't know if you know my buddy Forrest, and I think Dave. Is, I don't know Forrest. Yeah. And by the way, I thought Forrest was black forever. Really? That is a, yo, Forrest is a black man's name. name. Yeah, dude. How many black dudes you know named Forrest? Uh, I know one, and he played in the NFL. Yeah. Forrest who? Griffin? Uh, no, no. Forrest. I just made that last name up. I gotta. <laughs> That'd be great to be agreed with. You. Yeah. Tailback, uh, is his last name. It was Dark Forest. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it Black Forest. Black Forest. Forest. Uh, That's a good name for a movie. Black Forest. There's a Forest. Oh, Black Forest is where my family's from. The Black what? Forest in Germany. The Black Forest. Oh, is that the name of the city? No, it's, like it's the area. Here. The Black Forest, right? It's, it's got some Game of Thrones shit. In there. I've been all, I'm obsessed with Game of Thrones right now. Oh yeah. Uh, I need to talk. Maybe this isn't the time or the place, but we need to talk some black sales later. Oh, don't even get me fucking started. So I just had the part where they got to Charleston. Oh, you're not caught up yet? No, don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. I'm obsessed with black sales. You want to hear something crazy? I was in South Africa and black sales. The Twitter account hit me up. They're like, "Hey, you should come by the set and see." And I was like. And it was already, like, a day out. I was like, I'm going to leave soon. I was like, motherfucker. That would have been my, like, my wife would have lost her fucking mind. Yeah, that's a great show. Forrest, uh, I don't know. Forrest Conley. Yeah. Forrest oh, yeah. Conley. Yeah, but, but Forrest is one of those guys. He's got a memory probably like Dave. They, you know, he just remember. And it's like, my wife and I have had 
real arguments about the fact that I can't remember things, and it seems like I should. Like, you don't remember where you... I don't remember what that guy's name was. I don't remember exactly... My mem... Like, it's almost like I delete shit on a daily basis, and I can't remember a thing. Yeah. And I feel like it's got to be a medical condition. I can't remember anything. Nothing. Nothing no. ever sticks. Like, I couldn't tell you one thing that happened... The day I take my Comedy Central presents, like not a thing. That's called. Whiskey. I remember us look, running around looking for a shirt because they they, they 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 cut one of the shirts I was supposed to wear. I remember us going like a half an hour before I was supposed to shoot and getting a shirt from uh, Columbus Circle. Yeah, but it's like I don't remember anything, and I can't. And it's like such. A, and I'm, I feel like I'm a lot like like my dad. Our son's name's Elijah. My dad's like, "How's Isaiah doing?" I'm like, "That's not his name." <laughs> <laughs> not his name. Yeah. But it's like I don't get mad because I know that that's my brain. But, 45 years from now I'm not gonna know My grandkids And it's like It's kinda scary I don't yeah. know shit That's a normal thing For every grandparent though. Every All four of my grandparents Called Christy Chrissy <laughs> How's Chrissy? Like I've been dating her We've been together For eight years It's Christy How my, is Chrissy? My dad called Isla Charlie For her first year for like, <laughs> And I was like And he was like I don't know man This Isla name What is that Where's that coming from? I was like oh, Fucking weird Was it not that we called her Dude. Like Kunta Kinte? Yeah. <laughs> you would remember that though. Yeah, he would have. My, my, my dad is a super smart guy. Like, he's run like you know big businesses and everything. Like, he's a he's a sharp dude. But through my entire high school and college career, like all my best friends that were over our house a thousand times, they're always just like. Yeah, the kid with the earrings. Yeah. Oh, the tall kid. You know, I'm like, Dad, how do you not remember names? It's like he's been on family vacation with us. And he's like, ah, what's What's that kid who's got the brother that looks like him? Oh, you mean the twins? <laughs> the Accardi brothers? Yeah. I don't know who you're talking yeah. about. It's Ryan. It's not that hard to remember. <laughs> Dave, Dave, I don't know if you feel comfortable telling this story. Can you tell my, my favorite story about your grandfather? You know what I'm saying? you feel comfortable saying that? Only because you're here. Yeah. And because Jaleel has left. Yeah. <laughs> no, so what Al's talking about is, uh, so my grandpa was like, uh, he came over here, he's Italian. Came over here on the boat, you know. So my grandpa is a straight up, you know, immigrant. And my grandpa, though, like most grandpas of that generation, was super racist. <laughs> but he wasn't racist <laughs> of that most grandpas, most grandpas. Yeah. Like I, I, I like Bill Burr talked about it on his last special about the Donald Sterling thing, and he's like, yeah. "Hey man, oh, we're lucky exactly. that's all he said." Like yeah. people of that generation were all racist. Like yeah. George Bush Senior said the N word. Growing up often. That is how that world worked. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's not... You don't have to defend your grandfather. No, no. I yeah. Had, yeah, I had no problem talking about it. But my grandpa, so... It's like... Because I know... He wasn't racist to where he had hate in his heart. Like, if I had a friend over who was black, he would be totally nice to him and great. But the things he said to me... Like, you know, when that guy wasn't around. You yeah. know? I was like, Grandpa, that's racist. You can't say that, you know? And so what I was talking about is my grandpa would always uh, use the term nignog, <laughs> which is kind of adorable. It's a little adorable. That's what that word is. Nignog. Because eggnog's involved, and that's why it's a little adorable. So, he, so my, my old Italian grandpa. <laughs> it's what happens when black people yeah. Christmas carol. Yeah. <laughs> so my grandpa. My, my Italian grandpa would say, uh, he'd be like, these Cubans come over here on the boat, and then they just come over and they think they own the country. I'm like, Grandpa, you came over on a boat. And he's like, yeah, but you know who didn't come over on a boat? These nignogs. 
<laughs> and they just got their gangs coming around. And I'm like, they, they, can't told, say. they totally came over on boats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And did, like, <laughs> the, 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 the whistling too? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my grandpa would whistle constantly. <laughs> like, it was part of his subconscious. And he, just didn't, he didn't know he was whistling and he would hum and sing. So he, uh, he would leave me these voice messages when he got a cell phone all the time. And uh, so he'd be... Uh, he wouldn't know. He didn't know how to hang up his cell phone, so I'd always have these cell phone messages. And it was, I said, it was like, uh, it was like racism the musical. Because <laughs> I get these messages like, uh, uh, "Hey David, it's Grandpa AJ. Just calling to see if you're watching the Dolphins game. Call me back. Let's talk some football." And then he set the phone down. He didn't realize it was still going on, and he'd be like. Da, Nancy, bring me a scotch. See, I can't believe this shit. That's why they shouldn't let Nick Knobs play quarterback. I wish you could tell that on the stage. I've tried it; it hasn't gone well. Such a, yeah. it's such a, it's a, it's a, you know what it is? It's a it's representation a, of a person that that existed. It's but a that's, moment in time. Yeah, yeah. that happened. It's but, a, it's a, it's a cut <laughs> out of the tapestry of this this country. Oh my! But that's a direct quote. <laughs> that's why they shouldn't let Nick Nogs play quarterback. It's oh so my god! Direct quote. Are we oh looking? my god! They Where are we at? I don't want to overrun it, man. We still have 25 minutes. This is this has been a lot of fun, guys. This has been a ton of fun, and you can come see the rest of the festival. Go to thegundocf.com. 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 The, um, the uh, God damn, that's a fucking good story. My my thing I'm talking to my therapist about is to shut the fuck up. I'm not really good at it. Oh, I hear you. Because I'm I it's I heard uh, some girl. Oh, that's a horrible way to say it. Now I can't say her name because I just said some girl. But uh, the showrunner of Amy Schumer, I heard her talking on a podcast, and she was saying that she had a problem about talking too much. But I feel like I feel like as a comic, I'm so much more interesting than 80% of the people that want to talk at a dinner party. Not not in the world, yeah. but at a dinner party. The people when you hang out at a dinner party... But isn't it refreshing when you meet someone at a dinner party that, that you do want to listen to? Well, here, that's my thing. Is like I, I know how rewarding it is when you find someone interesting, but I'm that guy, so why wouldn't I want to give that to all those people? Is that, <laughs> does that sound horrible? Because like, happened, no, yeah. because when you meet other people, it's like, they want that too. They know. I mean, it sounds super condescending, and comics I want to say, it's like, look, we... Are lucky that we make a decent living at this, and we we do well. But it's like for the most part, man. Oh shit, my bad. Yeah, I mean, for chair. the most for the you most part. Have the beginning of the podcast. I got a level later that'll yeah. level this up. Right. I mean, for for the most part, man. It's like people, you know, <coughs> people do like because people work with squares all day. So like your most boring bar story, like yeah, and then the bartender threw up, and then we took a shot. Like that boring story you don't even tell. Like that's the best story. Well, we you live. Know. Leanne said it to me the best. She said we live. In a subculture of America that very few people live in, like we live in a, in a in a subculture that we don't get offended, we don't we don't judge. It's impossible. To we don't. We're, we 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 literally we're just. But we also see things for what they are. So there's no bullshit with us. Like Leanne goes, you're one of the few people that can have an honest conversation with a stripper about her life. Yeah. And get it. And she goes, I can't. Leanne's like, I can't. I I literally can't see past a stripper. But you go. 
hey, I work at nights too. I hung out with these fucking crazy drunks too. Like, she goes, it's a weird subculture that you live in. I, I was just at the Laughing Skull Festival in Atlanta, and uh, I was at this, they, they have the after, after party at this place called the Claremont Lounge. Oh, and, yes. uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know the Claremont Lounge. But uh, it only takes cash, and I ran out of cash. And, uh, and so I went up to go find an ATM, and there's this, like, homeless heroin addict guy. And I never went back to the bar. I hung out with that guy for an hour. Yeah. I'm from the bar! Just talking to him about doing heroin, and he walked with me to the ATM. And we were just talking. I'm like, if I... You woke up two weeks later with a fucking tire jack. Yeah, right. If I met that guy ten years ago... And I Seven was, months later, we were sleeping in a cardboard box together. Yeah. Sharing our favorite we blanket. <laughs> By the way, did you hear me just go into David Tell? Yeah. I just, yeah, I just yeah. went into David Tell. But that's like... You know, it's part of the thing about great comedy is that it, it creeps into your life and it becomes who you are. Yeah. Like, my, my wife... To this day, we'll go, girls, brush your hair, brush your hair. Did everyone get it that's going to get it? Googly, boogly, let's move on. Like, yeah. my wife will quote a tell in our family, which uh, is so fucking bizarre. The pastor at my church the other day, I was having a conversation, out of nowhere, he just looks at me and goes, I'll tell you, he goes, I think stand-up comedians are the greatest force in our culture towards uh, what's... Um, What's accepted and what's not, you know. He and he just like said this like profound statement like that. Like this guy who gets up in front of people every Sunday and preaches, you know, the gospel. And I was like, fuck, that's a lot of pressure, you know. But I mean, he said it with all sincerity, you know. I used to live with two lesbians, and they would. They would. Nice segue, Bert. They would always. They would always. See how bored he was with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even pastors. I got to bring this back to lesbians. Like a reaction, yeah. like of course I did. They used to love Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle used to say, have a joke about. Pimps, I, I don't know the joke really well, but like pimps could always get you to do. They go, hey, uh, they'd always get you to do crazy shit, and then it would it'd escalate every time you go, hey, make me, bitch, make me a glass of Kool Aid, and and, and and go program my computer, and, hey, stop my car, bitch, and so, so I live with these two lesbians, and when someone would say, uh, I'm gonna go to the water, do you want one? She, one of the lesbians would go, yeah. And as they walk out of the room, they go, and bitch, go program my computer. Like, <laughs> it was the funniest part because they had a comic they enjoyed. They were sharing again all the time. It was like it was like uh, their own callback to an experience right. they had, yeah. which is so fucking badass to think that that's what we do for a living. Is that you give someone the littlest thing about you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I do it often, but like Chappelle, Attell, guys that are good at at, par- at like phrasing in. Like, I'm obsessed right now. A little bit obsessed with Jim Norton's Chip Chipperson. Yeah. Is anyone like? Yeah. I'm obsessed with it because what he was doing was he was creating that for himself. He was this. So if you, for, for those of you that don't know, uh, Chip and you listen to it on Rogan. Chip Chipperson and Uncle Paul were characters he was doing for girlfriends. So that in moments in a relationship where just mundane, he could spice them up for himself. So the, they go out to dinner, and I'm saying this to you, Ryan, not that you know much about it, but or don't not know much about it, but, but they go out to dinner at a nice restaurant, and the girl would say, um, I think I'll have a salmon salad. And Norton would turn into this weird, molesty character named Uncle Paul and go, how much does that cost? 
But the guy didn't know that Jim Norton was not that guy. So he would be like, uh, $22? Ah, fine. And they'd walk away, the guy walk away. And his girlfriend would get pissed. She goes, I, she, he thinks I fucked that guy. And I thought that was so brilliant. I, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on it. I, I'm literally stuck on it. And it's How making... Like, it just is so brilliant because it's an inside joke inside a relationship which makes the relationship special and different and, and it and it puts sparkle on a relationship when you're sober and you're married and you got two kids and you go to Hawaii Hawaii is still cool but you're like so this is it you know like but if you have that little thing that's an inside joke then everything becomes special and maybe this is like but if, no that's that's so that's super dope because when you do go on vacation with your kids it's different than when you go with your boys yeah we go on a lot of vacations with your boys too well. yeah. it, it, it can happen but like, if you do go with your with, with your with, with your wife and you guys still get drunk and having fun and making fun of each other, like I think that's cool. Like you can yeah. still fucking be dumb and push each other on the bed and be still ten years old. Oh my god, that's what makes you be a comic. Ryan Dalton and I spent a week together. I literally, <laughs> I literally spend weeks at a time planning traps for my wife. Yeah, <laughs> things to give her small heart attacks. I have toys from Star Wars that I'll plant above cabinets. And I'll go, what the fuck is that? And then all of a sudden she'll look up and she'll see the spider creature. It looks like it's going to jump on her face. She's like, no! And I'm like, gotcha. Gotcha. You're still alive. Sweet. This is what I did with my daughters yesterday, okay? Look at this. You'll love this. We go to our neighbor's house and we put a rebel That's flag on the back the of their phone. car. <laughs> that is on the back the of their way. car. On the back of their car, a rebel Wait. flag. And by the way, they're Jewish. When I, when I was in high school, we used to in high school we used to take index cards and we would take highlighters and we would color them like a rainbow flag bumper sticker. We'd just home make it and we'd tape it on the back of my buddy's uh, bumper sticker. <laughs> my buddy yeah. Pat Powers. We'd put it like once a week. We'd put rainbow bumper stickers on the back. <laughs> oh, we, did, we started with this rainbow bumper stickers. Two for them to notice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this started with with a wolf sticker, like a very like a Native American wolf like big circle and we just put it on the back of the car after we went camping my wife saw it and she started to piss her pants and I was like oh this must be good and Georgia and Nyla love the idea of of getting people that they love the idea of pranking someone and so we started I bought and bought like $100 worth of stickers and so we have stickers all across the gamut of social irresponsibility to put on the back of their fucking car and I mean it's the greatest feeling to be sitting there knowing you got a secret and just be like waiting <laughs> for them to fucking call you. And at 6 a.m., Eric Grusin texted me and he goes, when the fuck did you do this? <laughs> and I was like, then I posted it. I was like, right now, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm going to go to a softball game. Yeah. Well, you got, what, today? Yeah. Are you showing business? Are you watching? He's said the same thing. I'm watching. It's Isla's. I know. I thought Bert was going to practice softball. Well, adults play softball. You've had enough beers to play softball. I could do. I would not practice, so I just go out and dominate. Yeah. I'd fucking dominate. I've got. Oh. Baseball's a sport that scares me because you can play it socially and have fun, and then you're pitching and you can still get a line drive for some nobody. (laughs) I I would never pitch, like especially as an adult. Like what happened? I fucking. And all of a sudden, you speak with a slur for the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that could happen to any of us at this point in our lives. I tore my Achilles tendon playing in an adult kickball league a few years back. Dude, I fell off a waterfall. Yeah, a recently. I, when, I, I, when I was building you this stage, you broke your back? 
100%. When I was building this stage, I thought about Jesus you and I go, I gotta make right. this good enough to where Bert doesn't hurt his back. By the way, I don't mean to, I don't like, dude, I'm so proud of this festival. That stage is hack. Like, it's a tiny room. And that's the kind of stage they sell slaves on. That's, <laughs> that thing can have police tape around it's it. It's a good palette. It's a good palette. It's a pretty solid palette. Yeah. Yeah. I'm proud of it. Good. Are you spray painted it? You well, say let's just say. Um, it's good no, work. I, uh, I, 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 I bought carpet, asshole. No, it looks good. It looks good. It looks good. Uh, we should it's probably good. wrap this up. Yeah. Should yeah. I take this card home and upload it? I'll, give, it, I'll give you the card. I'll take the card, upload it tonight. I'm going to post it tonight. Uh, so let's, real quick, everyone, if you're in Southern California, this is a fantastic <laughs> festival. I would venture to say, and I would like, I would like everyone to maybe chime in, but. Maybe everyone is still left after an hour and a half of podcasting. <laughs> hour and a half. So fifty thousand people will probably download this tonight, and they will all say to themselves, "That would have been cool to have been there." And we have six in the room. Yeah, we have six in the room. It was, was pretty badass. And I took work off for this. Nice. Yes. You're you were gonna do that anyway, dude. Let's call that what it is. It was. Oh, no, it was. Me it was one of the funnest. Po- by the way, I would do, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to put this out right now. I will do live podcasts here if we can keep it this way. Like, like where you just, it's, what does the room hold, 27? This is fucking fantastic. I don't think any of us ever right. felt like we were on stage. On the spot. Pete, can we do a live podcast at El Segundo <laughs> Brewing Company every year of the Gundo Comedy Pete, say no and make it weird. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Of okay. I, say, I say you started off on Wednesdays at noon and, 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 and I will do it. I will moniker it my call and sick to work tour. And we will do a call and sick to work podcast. And you do it live here. It'll be here next year. It'll be here every year as long as I'm alive. Give it more five more years, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, this has been a blast. I, I, I did not. By the way, the home run was fucking Jaleel White. Holy shit, I, I saw that expect, coming. I did not see. Well, I knew. Here's the crazy thing. I knew the four of us could fucking sit and talk all day long. But then you got this, like. This fucking outlier. Yeah. This this guy who won the lottery at a young age and lived a very different life than all of us, but we all watched him live it. Like that was fucking fantastic. Oh. He's a great dude, man. Uh, got How did you meet him? Uh, well, you don't have to Tinder. Say. Yeah. Tinder. Tinder. I swiped right. Yes. <laughs> swiped uh, right. Oh, dude. No, uh, we're doing a project together. I'll leave it at that. Oh, nice. But we got to know each other from that, and then he's got a daughter the same age as my kids, so he's just a great dude, and we've gotten to know each other. It's weird when you're a parent, the famous people you'll end up meeting. I told, I told this I told this on, uh, I periscoped a little bit of this today, but I told this on Periscope. So what I've the met. fuck is Periscope? I'm, I'm old. I'm oh, trying, I, I, I luckily was introduced, and, and I would be right there with you had somebody not just what grabbed What the fuck the is it? So it's a live streaming app, just equivalent to Twitter. But instead, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break it down just a tad bit right now. So Twitter was all about the, the 134, 148 characters. Mm-hmm. Are we looking? Okay. okay, 148 characters. This is about being yourself on stage, honestly. So it 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 lends itself a little more friendly to comics, to people with personalities. For instance, there's a few people that I follow on Twitter that were the first round Twitter phenomenons, and. Then of course, I think they're hilarious. I followed them on Periscope, and their lives were beyond depressing as fuck. And it was like uncomfortable, and you just went, "Oh my god, I don't ever want to read what they think or read what they say." I was like, "Who owns fifteen cats?" Like, 
like this is sad like oh my god this is not sad but it's just a very different it's not yeah. what I thought it was that was a that was a, it was like Instagram you see all these pictures on Instagram and it's this like fake representation of who you are I do it I definitely do it I don't post bad pictures you go into Periscope what, what, and Periscope, Periscope is it's just you talking and yeah. you, you're talking to the camera and you're like hey this is my life Right now, you walk into a comedy club. This is exactly how many tickets I sold tonight. It how, is how many seconds? It's free. You can do, go all day. You can Periscope all day long. I did download you. it. I have yet to use it. Use it. Right? I use it right now. Is it like Snapchat where it dissolves? I, or like, no, does it no, save no, no, no. Your phone? You can dissolve it. You can like I did one today where I accidentally shot myself naked. It was, but it was. It was. <laughs> I've done that twice now. I was. I was doing a. I was doing a I was doing a weigh-in, a weigh-in, and so I wanted to say, I was like, I'm going to be 100% transparent, this is how much I weigh, 241, guys, I plan on losing weight in the next three weeks, hold me to that, haze me, you know, whatever, and then I turn and the mirror's right there, and it's me with the tiniest morning dick. Like, <laughs> Not like some morning dick. I was like, get out of the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> saved a camera roll, TV. <laughs> but it's Periscope's fucking fascinating. Really, <clears throat> it's it's like doing a podcast. Honestly, like I did one in my man cave, just like I do a solo podcast. I talked for like twenty minutes, and I just talked to people, ask questions. It's really fast. Download it and figure it out. I figured out. Yeah, okay. So, so I mean, you vouch for it. So this, I've seen some people that I respect on Twitter saying they don't. They're on it. So I'm like, all right. Sure. A, a commercial for Periscope, the yeah. and 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 the Gundo Comedy Festival. Go to Gundo, Gundo CF. Go to GundoCF.org. What <laughs> org? The GundoCF.com. Oh, you got com. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't fuck around, Bert. I, I got you got GundoCF.com. <laughs> I bought two, yeah, I bought two web addresses: the GundoCF and the Gundo Comedy Festival. So uh, I bought a four hundred dollar permit for this fucking podcast. <laughs> well, God, I hope we're getting free beers. <laughs> the uh, what, what uh, now? What? Real quick, plug, plug the rest of the week. All right. So uh, <clears throat> tonight we have a free show at the Purple Orchid, which is a tiki lounge, a really great bar. Michael Yo, Mo Mandel, a lot of great comics are going to be there. Am I on that show? Yeah, Al Jackson too. Uh, if you haven't drank too much. Uh, tomorrow night was supposed to be Can I Kick It, but the okay. guys uh, got some uh, some TV opportunities. So they had to cancel. So unfortunately, we're dark tomorrow night. On Friday, yeah, at the El Segundo Teen Center, a free hour of comedy for local teenagers. Who's yes, there? Uh, a bunch of up and coming comics from around the uh, the city. Okay, nice. At seven p.m., there's the Intrepid Athletics CrossFit Comedy, and they transfer the gym into a comedy club for a free night of laughs. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that go there. It can also be if you're into CrossFit, because I'm sure there'll be CrossFit comics. We're trying to get Eddie Ift for it. Yeah, I Eddie should call Eddie. Will you text that's... Eddie Ift for me? I'll take. I'll give you my phone. You can right. text him right now. All right. And this is uh, happening. Eddie Ift does a CrossFit podcast. Really? Yeah, yeah, and he's got a very he's got a very successful right. CrossFit podcast. Eddie Ift. All right, text him from my phone right now, All and right. don't read the last ones. At the George E. Gordon Clubhouse, Michael Rayner performs his comic juddling for free show kit. I, by the way, I'm dyslexic. Do you speak you're English? Reading, you're reading this <laughs> I wrote a book. You want me to do this? <laughs> he's reading this like he's graduating from jail. <laughs> I wrote a book. I wrote a book. I wrote this a book. is parole hearing. Uh, just text Eddie. At 7 p.m. on Saturday, the Goldcrest Rebecca Lodge on Grand Avenue. Comedy Magic presents. Yeah. Hermosa's Beach World Renown brings you there. It's that. 
What, what is it? Babysitting comedy? Uh, the Parks and Rec is doing free babysitting for anyone that buys a ticket to the Comedy and Magic Club uh, produced show on wow. 7 o'clock. That's huge. That's right? huge. That's really yeah. big. Only for El Segundo residents, though, so... 9.30, and this is not the headlining set. 9.30, Goldcrest, Rebecca Lounge. Same place is doing Gandhi. Is that you? Producers of New York's acclaimed stand-up show bring you their always edgy, smart lineup to the festival. And here's the headliner. Sunday night, and this is, by the way, so I hope you're still listening. Wait, on Saturday, the Walsh Brothers are going to be there, and a lot of great comics at the Gandhi show, and then Comedy and Matt. The Walsh Brothers? Oh, yeah. uh, they have a show. Okay, that's all uh, and uh, on Saturday night, uh, the Comedy Magic Club is definitely going to send. There's the added show. There's the added show. Oh, yeah. Susan, the super fan. Super uh, fan. Uh, yes. Hey. Just, just brought up the fact that uh, on Saturday, too, we have um, Consenting Adults as an improv group from uh, Westside Theater in Santa Monica. They're going to do a free show at the El Segundo Museum of Art at 3.30 on Saturday. And then there's an improv of unconsenting adults. Yeah. It's a one-man show. show about Stop! Stop it! <laughs> Bill Cosby will be performing. <laughs> All right, here's the headliner, guys. 7.30 on Sunday, May 17th. The Old Town Music Hall. It is going to be closing out the show. we got Forrest Shaw, who is white. Dave Williamson, who is also white. Very. Brad Williams, who's just a smaller bit of white. Greg Fitzsimmons. John Heffron, and again, Taylor Williamson. Did I say Taylor Williamson twice? No, you said me. I'm Dave. I know. <laughs> Taylor Williamson. Is this the lineup? What's the lineup? Greg's got to go last, right? Uh, undetermined yet, yeah. They're putting Taylor last because he's fucking... Used to, he, no. Taylor Williamson needs to be hanging out at the improv. Is he big now? He 